begin transmission. Hello, everybody. It is I, Chris, aka Star Raptor, joined by my buddies, as always, Milton and Ben, for Outer Rim Transmission. This is number 59. And here we thought we would have kind of a slow week, and Lucasfilm just, you know, put out a bombshell out there with this Van Vanity Fair article covering everything we want to know about the future of Star Wars, from the TV shows to the movies. We got an update on all of that. Plus, we have some news from Dark Horse. The first comics have been announced, and some cool new Star Wars novel tidbits that tie into Rey's lineage. So we'll get into all of that on this week's episode. As always, starting off with our Star Wars conversation of what hit us this week with Star Wars. Started off with Ben this time around. Yeah, my week was my week was pretty good overall. Um, nothing too ex not I mean not not nothing too exciting. So like this week for me, I didn't um have anything like out of my way Star Wars wise. You know, I didn't like uh have any crazy cool finds at the store or anything like that. Um. It was more just like, just like little things, you know, I threw on since we were, uh, or since we're obviously going into Kenobi next week, I watched, um, just a few random Clone Wars episodes. Um, I watched, I watched the, uh, uh, what's the arc called? The, the, uh, whatever the arc where they go, they go into the force realm. Um, but anyways, Mortis. Then I watched that Mortis, Mortis. Yep. Thank you. I watched the Mortis arc. That was really good. Um, and then I watched just uh, just because because it's like the time period. I watched the Darth Maul versus like Obi Wan episodes of uh, Rebels, like that little one one parter there. So uh, you know, just little just just did that this week. Talk Star Wars, of course, with friends and family as always. And you know, like we always say, Star Wars is like such a big part of all of our lives. It's like almost like a daily thing, even if we don't try. And that's pretty much how it was this week for me. Yeah, Ben, I had recently finished Brotherhood, the new novel from Mike Chen yep. from Del Rey. And I, I said that last week. And uh, yeah, man, it immediately got me in the mood to watch some some Clone Wars, some good old Obi-Wan Kenobi episodes. So I got to do a little bit more of that. But, um, oh, I think I'm going to be a little bit too busy because I have a couple days left. I got to get packed. I got to get things all organized and whatnot. And, um, well, working on what I was working on, I'll show you guys. I... Didn't mean to actually put this in a chat, but I guess I kind of spilled the beans already. Um, but yeah, I worked a little bit on this little guy here. So yeah, I have a little BD-1 replica That's awesome. that I'm going to be carrying around with me. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so what it is is a 3D printed model. Um, so I constructed it, I put it together, um, and then I primed it and I painted it. So you know, all my years oh, nice. of uh, painting Star Wars miniatures, it, it finally is paying off. And now it's like, hey, this is the first time I've done anything like like real life size with painting. So yep. I think it did all right. Now, hopefully it doesn't fall apart when I'm walking around with it, but it's pretty <laughs> fragile. So I'm going to have to be very careful with this thing. But hopefully it gets there safe and sound in my suitcase and doesn't get like you know, torn apart in five pieces on the way to California. So we'll see what happens. I might have to make sure I pack some super glue just in case something happens as they always tend to do when you do costumes and stuff like that. So yeah, getting ready over here. Um, I was just playing Star Wars or Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga before we went live. Progress update. I'm now past the 50% mark of completing the game. And it only took me over a month to do that. That's how big this game is. I am currently nice. on my way to Coruscant. I've kind of 
mapped out my route in free play mode where I'm going tackling each planet in their own sector before kind of moving on counterclockwise. I started at Mustafar and I've since worked my way uh, about halfway through the galaxy at this point. So I am uh, going into Coruscant. Um, they did put out an update though today or this week. They actually put out an update and they snuck in like 34 more Kyber bricks you can unlock that are basically spaced out across four new capital ships that you could actually fight against and take over. You can take over a Venator class Star Destroyer. You can take over uh, the Invisible Hand Grievous' ship. You can take over the Full Metrix or whatever it's called, which is I think the um, the big ship that took out um, uh, not Agent Claus, but the thing in the Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, that planet. I don't know why it's escaping me right now. Uh, so yeah, I, I was like, okay, cool. There's new Lego Star Wars content. Not that I'm anywhere near getting done with the current content anyway. So. Um, that that's been my week in Star Wars, so it's been been pretty fun. Um, and we're we're getting down to the wire for me to finally go to California. What about you, Milton? Um, I think my week has just been seeing all the, and we'll talk about it today. Just seeing all the Kenobi pub, you know, like all the clips and articles and pictures that's been released. Like I've been soaking it up. It's been making me more excited for the show, and we'll dive more into that when we get to that component. Oh, heck yeah. It's, it's, you can't escape it at this point. And I think that's one of the lines actually from the trailer. Like, you can't escape yeah. <laughs> him or them or something like that. So apparently yeah. I have Kenobi on my brain. But yeah, I mean, like, I linked you guys. Like, I seen our first clip a couple hours ago Owen talking with Ben. And the fact that he calls him Ben, I have to get used to that again. It, it's not calling him Obi Wan. It's just like he called him Ben. And it's like, okay, like, Obi Wan wants him to go out and, like, explore it it's and it's owen that is like okay you're you shouldn't be going anywhere so i found that that interesting from that like 20 second clip but it sounds like you know it's great to have these high profile actors that have been doing a lot of things since that they've been in episode one and episode two because they have so much more experience and i i've seen some quotes thrown around that uh kenobi is going to be more like logan is going to be more like joker so this is going to be a lot more introspective than I think even some of us might even realize going in. But I think I'm I'm ready for it, man, because like and we'll get into it more, but I feel like these series are better suited to be like, you know, very specific character development focused stories whereas the the movies are going to be good for like that big galaxy spanning wide, you know, strife and everything else going going on there. So yeah, we'll get into plenty more Kenobi as we get into this week's show. As always, some housekeeping. You guys can follow us at Outer Rim Transmission on any of your podcast services around the globe. We are on all of them pretty much from Spotify to Apple Music and so on. Make sure you go ahead and subscribe to us and listen. We would like as many listeners as possible. If any of your friends are vaguely into Star Wars, give us a shout out. We'd very much appreciate it. If you are listening and want to see us live, we go on YouTube to record every Friday at 9 o'clock Eastern. So go ahead and check us out there. And then you can also be a part of our lively chat rooms as we have so much fun discussing the latest in Star Wars with you guys live. And we can also pick up a Star Wars uh, or Outer Rim Transmission t-shirt over there at teespring.com. Uh, so with that out of the way, we also have some new releases that came out in the form of a couple comic books. This week, we have Dr. Afra issue number 20. I have my review for that as well as the other one I'll mention. Um, but Dr. Afra issue number 20 
kind of going of crazy town now. Um, you know, Dr. Afra apparently is, you know, dealing with these ancient artifacts from this ascendant culture, which is like a culture that existed back when the Sith were very much alive and around and kicking. And apparently these guys of the ascendants are trying to replicate the force using technology. Anyway, keeping the story short, Afra finds one of these artifacts who's been going after for a while. It basically kills her and then, resusc and then resuscitates her with vines and all this crazy nonsense. So I, at this point, I'm like, okay, this is going over the rails. Um, we're going to see how the hell they try to tell this story with a character that's basically a zombie at this point. So, yeah, I'm, as you can see, perplexed. But, you know, hey, there's, there's going to be more stories told and we'll see how that goes uh, we also have Han Solo and Chewbacca issue number two now before I get onto that one there obviously is something going on with the pipeline of these comics because some of them are like over two months waits in between and it's really getting annoying because I'm like this is a great story like we last left off with Han Solo apparently having a father still around and then this story opens up with Han you know, obviously, like any of us would say, like, nah, you're just a con artist. You're not my father. Turns out that the guy's legitimately his father. So we actually meet Han Solo's father. Han Solo's father, um, we see a flashback between him and Han. And Han is saying, like, it's cold out. It's windy out. I want to go home. And Ovin, which is his father's name, says, I know. I know. I know. So they sprinkled that in there. Like, that's where Han gets that from. Han also manages to get the lucky dice that he keeps in the Falcon from his father as like a keepsake like even though his father was kind of you know a jerk to him his father did impart this like wanting for his son to do something better than his father could do which is just working in a shipyard and well hey i mean he became a general a very respectable person of the rebel alliance so i think his father would be proud if he still is around um and that's basically what happened in the comics this week we have uh first time chatter in a chat elise saying this is awesome. Well, very much appreciate it. We do this every Friday at 9 o'clock Eastern, as I just said. Uh, but for, going from there, I think we're ready to just kind of jump into this big article. So this came out earlier in the week. And as I said off the top, it's like Star Wars Celebration. We were planning on just doing like a maybe a little celebration preview or something on this week's episode with that coming out in a couple days or coming up in a couple days. And uh, no, because we could spend the entire show talking about basically every one of these touch points that we're going to mention is probably a show in its own right that we could talk about each one of these things. And we're going to try our best to get this all in by 11 o'clock and uh, we'll do our <laughs> best because there's a lot and I mean a lot to break down. So I'm going to throw over to Milton because I know you said you were excited to talk about this. What was your, what was your first reaction? Just, just the overall scope of, of what we finally got. I know we've been all wanting these answers about Hey, what's coming next for Star Wars? Why are they so secretive? Well, this article actually kind of peeled the layers back, and, and and it seems like the cracks are kind of forming in this solid foundation of Lucasfilm just being very secretive. So what do you have to say about that? Not surprising in the sense of the secretive component of it. I mean, we've talked about this over the last year about how sometimes they're too secretive. Um, what I took from the article is obviously the the Kenobi stuff that was discussed in it. I'll soak that up all day, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, obviously, I think in this article, did they talk about the whole non-recasting of older characters at one point? Was that, yep. was that discussed? Yeah. Okay. That that was something I took away from that because 
it's like it's like they're putting like like yes they're, they're admitting they made mistakes in the past, but they're they're now trying to shift the blame because Solo didn't do well. So let's not recast younger characters because of a movie that was already up and down prior to its release because all the director drama, you know, the release, the fallout of the Last Jedi. So for them to sit there and just say, hey, the reason why we're not going to recast younger or legacy characters because of we we know better it's because it was a failure that's not necessarily true you know look what we got in mandalorian look we got in boba with luke coming back and and you know using the technology we love that part hell ahsoka was recast you know and everyone loves her they're doing a show of her so to me i felt that was kind of a cop-out yeah kind of an excuse and i'm thinking come on kathleen like you can't, you can't, you can't be apt like Sith would say, or like Obi Wan would say. You can't deal in absolutes. There you, you know? go. Like, yeah, like, come on. My, I, I, uh, I completely agree with you on that, Milton. I thought, you know, obviously that we're going to talk about so many of the um, really good scoping parts of the article, but that was one of the parts of the article that bothered me mm-hmm. because to me, not even, not even purely from. The recasting point, not, not even any of the points that you had you made there. All the all your points are completely accurate. But my point is, I don't think it was a good look personally, you know, um, for Kathleen Kennedy as a leader of Lucasfilm. Because my example I, I talked about throughout the week, just on Twitter with people and some of my friends, etc., was that's like your NFL head coach going out and throwing the quarterback to the media right in front of the bus like hey he's the one that had a bad game it's not us and like she basically threw alden right to the wolves like uh you know it basically his recasting was the reason the movie failed and it's just like i don't know i really i just don't don't really it was a coaching it was a coaching like the coaching was a problem so in this case she should have thrown lord miller lord miller Maybe Ron Howard, Ron Howard, you know, like those are the guys that were, quote unquote, the face of the film. You know, yes, the quarterback is the face of the franchise. However, quarterback isn't supposed to be saying anything. He's supposed to keep his mouth shut, be, be that be that corporate leader that and when he, he goes out and, meet and do his job and he, and he executed with the playbook that he had. Alden executed with the playbook that he had. And hell, we all like Alden as Han Solo. Yeah, I, I, I thoroughly enjoy that movie. However, Kathleen, you cannot put that on that actor and say, well, the reason why it failed was because we recasted him and, you know, we, we could have used Hans or Harrison Ford, but we didn't. Like, come on. You're telling me right now, if, if, if they said we're going to do a two-season miniseries of Luke Skywalker with Sebastian Stan as Luke, no one would complain. Yep. No one. No one like, oh, that's no what we want. I do think, though. <laughs> I haven't caught a complaint, but that's just me. <laughs> with, 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 all, with all that being said, though, I do think there is a positive coming out of, out of that. Right. Um, all that negativity is, I think this means that we have a very, very, very highly likelihood of seeing a lot more of uh, CGI Luke, um, potentially other characters. Right. And I think there's a chance for that now um you know that she she put that out there but also to me that puts the lando show completely in jeopardy so you know there is that out there now as well here's the thing we really don't need lando show we don't we don't need that show don't get me wrong i'll watch it if it's available to me just like solo was available to me we didn't need a solo movie and that's absolutely didn't 
Okay, so this is a great topic to start off of because uh, I didn't know where to start, but I think this is the the one article that you see the most spin off of from the community and every article news site is running headlines about all this. So, you know, we'll start with the negative first. There's a lot of positive in, in this article, which I can't wait to get into. But yeah, it is it is difficult um, from Kathleen Kennedy's perspective because you know, as you said, um, Milton, you know, Sith only Sith deal in absolutes, like. It's easy to blame like one reason, but there's also many other variables and reasons why mm-hmm. it didn't do well. Um, but I mean, here's the thing: I, I I still think that having Harrison Ford recasted is just wasn't wasn't a good look in the in the first place. It wouldn't matter if who it wouldn't matter whoever played you know Harrison Ford. It didn't matter if it wasn't Alden Ehrenreich. It would have right. still probably done the same just because. I know personally a lot of people that were just like already negative about the movie before they even seen a trailer because they're like, ah, no one's ever going to be like Harrison Ford because it's like you could do other characters and, you know, different things like Obi, like people compare, let's start with Obi-Wan. People compare the recasting with Obi-Wan. I think it's completely different. (laughs) That's, that's the different, it's a different animal because you have one guy that's like in his like, elderly years versus him as a spry like teenager essentially like those are complete opposite ends one guy's got white hair the other guy literally has a crew cut full head of hair like you could easily like look past that um just from an in-universe perspective but i think for anybody to get over harrison ford he, he was the one actor that really kind of went past star Wars and he was in Indiana Jones, obviously, and all these other big things. So no matter what, like he's a, he's a huge A-list actor. So it'd be so hard for anybody to look past that iconic character and really wrap their head around him. But as Milton said, people already seen that there was, you know, issues with the directing and all that. So maybe people were already thinking in the back of their heads, that's eh, going to be a train wreck. Well, why why well, am I going to go see this? That, thing? Right. There was that there was, um, you know, I do think like it is a it is a very viable reason. Like you you sandwiched Avengers Endgame and then Solo and then Deadpool two back to back to back. Like that right. that you know accumulated with you know that was only about six seven months after the Last Jedi Fallout, and there was plenty of fans at that time period like saying boycott Star Wars. I'm not going to go see a Star Wars movie. Blah blah blah. And I think right. that's Here, what, here's the thing. I think that movie came out in May, from my understanding. Correct. Yep. It was yes. it was May December was Last Jedi of 2017 yep. and then May the following, and that and that's um, where I was because remember they they moved the date I believe to May, yep. and I'm thinking well, well you've already had this programmed with three movies prior to that to be December releases like you were going to own December, and then you move it to May with all the turmoil of that film and it's like wait a minute you have to now rewrite it, reshoot it. Yep. You know, all this other stuff, the, the <laughs> negative press is coming out. It's like, you know what? Why would I want to go watch this? Why would I give it a chance if I know all this is BS, you well, know? So, yeah. Well, you see here, there, there's another thing with that as well. You know, when, when Solo eventually went to Netflix, you know, that was one of their most viewed movies for the first few months of its run on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that really has to do with a lot of those circumstances that I just mentioned, like, you know, people are finally giving it a chance, like, oh, we're enjoying this movie more. Um, so I think that's a big part of it. And, uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just a lot of weird circumstances. I've always said if you push that movie back to December, it makes two hundred million more easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. It's just it's a tricky spot. And like to me, when it comes to recasting, I've always said this for the longest time. I don't mind recasting whatsoever. I don't I don't care what character it is because you've recasted um, arguably just as iconic roles several times. Like James Bond, he's nice. as iconic as. Han Solo is, and he's been recasted, I think, four times now, going on five or six. Um, thing, on... With James Bond, it's not, it's not Star. Nothing's like Star Wars. Though. You can't really compare much else because uh, James Bond I, is I, like I, a non-linear story, so it doesn't matter yeah. technically who it is. It's not like each movie continues in, uh, like a sequel yeah. of another movie. That, that's that's true, but I but I'm saying just pure stature-wise, arguably, like yeah, James Bond. Uh, Han Solo, like those characters are right in the same class of, I would say, all-time characters. Heck, you know, you've yeah. had Super Superman recasted, Batman recasted. It just, it's such a tricky spot with recasting. Like I've always been, also, I mean, I'm definitely the minority of things, but I've even said like when La- um, Rise of Skywalker came out, I thought they should have brought in some type of actress to make uh, a Leia's performance better versus just. Versus oh, just I don't like, know about that. Versus just writing, versus writing the scenes around her because they're so. I, I watched Rise of Skywalker um uh, um last week, and with a few of my cousins and, like, it's so noticeable. They wrote the scenes around the deleted scenes that Carrie Fisher had, and it was it's just so noticeable. Versus if you would have Ed, a fully functioning bad. actress, yeah, if you had a fully functioning actress, it would have played out. However, um. I don't know. I just, I just, I don't think any actor, to me, in my opinion, owns like a role. Like, for example, even not to turn this into a Marvel podcast, but like, like Black Panther, like, like I don't think the Black Panther character should die with Chadwick Boseman because, like, the you know, Black Panther's affected so many people in such a positive way, uh, and yeah. and Marvel's like, you know, implying like, you know, they may not recast him. So it's just like, I, I just don't like where where things are going with recasting like i don't think actors should own the role like like i mean you know look look at iron man with tony stark obviously we all love robert downey jr but like if they want to do an iron man story and robert downey doesn't want to be in it like recast him like no one's bigger than the role in my opinion Oh, it's easy with Marvel. They got an easy way out. It's called the multiverse oh, yeah. so they have the yeah. variants <laughs> of them so that's yep. not even same, a conversation same yeah, Same exactly. thing with Batman. They that's have true. a flashpoint that'll happen, and that's how they get Michael Keaton in there. The whole multiverse. That's so. true. But that's the thing. With Star Wars, you gotta they gotta hold strong to their bonds. I feel like if you're gonna recast a character, it's gotta be them way older or way younger. Because if not, then they're gonna have to do some kind of CGI thing like they're doing with Luke. They've proven that they could do that. I'd ra- I'd, I'd rather do that than have another actor because that'll bot that. It's it, it really comes out of personal preference. There's no yeah. like objective answer to this question because it's how yeah. everybody perceives them but um or just do animation you know just do I'll a whole just animated say, series just, that's just, fine with me yeah. that'd be cool with me and that's when i'm shocked we didn't get a an, an animation series with the original trilogy characters yet i know they've been featured in well yeah. leia has been in rebels but you would think you would take advantage of their voices and their performances through animation because we have the technology to make it look incredible yeah so but so yeah. Go, going off this point i was kind of 
going into that territory a little bit earlier. I mean, Kathleen Kennedy said what she says, and I understand from a from a businesswoman, a business perspective, if something failed as much as, as Sola did, apparently, you don't want to ever try to do that again. Uh, if you look at the budgeting, right, I think it's, I don't know if this is confirmed or anything, but I was listening to another podcast, and, you know, they had to spend so much more money. I think Solo's budget was like $300 million, which is like 100 more million than most movies, period, that are on the upper end of things like Marvel and Star Wars. So they were already fighting up an uphill battle because they had to invest like $100 more million into this project. So to break out even, they had to make even more than they usually would for a typical movie. So right, it was already difficult for the reshoots in general for the, all that stuff. But I mean... I, I've been thinking about this a lot. I think Star Wars works best because all the other movies that came out with Star Wars, including Rogue One, had a big effect on the galaxy. They had a big effect that the fate of the universe existed with those movies. Those characters were leading the current events in the galaxy. Whereas Solo, you could take that in a vacuum and it's like, yeah, it's not really doing a whole... It's not doing a whole lot for the whole galaxy. Yeah, the underworld is doing a lot, but... In the larger picture of things, not as much. So I think it's it's great if Star Wars movies can kind of give us that big pop and they have all these multiple characters. It's an ensemble piece. They have Jedi. They have ships and all that. Like People love to see that on a big screen, whereas you could do things like Obi-Wan Kenobi. You could do things like Solo in a series because you're going to have more character development and all that. So I think going forward, based off what we're seeing in this article, which we'll get more into here is that seems like the route that they're going right now w w with Star Wars. And I think it's a good idea because, I mean, we have the... It's like how you delineate which is going to happen, what, what goes to this big screen, what doesn't, you know? Yeah, I mean, like I said, we'll see. Uh, like, I, again, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Like, I, I, think, I think we'll see. I do think a lot of... Um, we won't even really have to like worry about this entire discuss this entire topic because I think Star Wars is mainly heading in a more of a TV direction. Anyways, that's just yeah. that's just my personal feeling on it. Yeah. So so speaking of that, let's get into the first big bullet point I found in here that was really good. Some good juicy tidbits. This revolves around Andor, and we got pretty much as close to an official synopsis of what season one will entail as we can. Um, so this comes from Gilroy. Uh, Tony Gilroy, who is the who's the showrunner here, uh, I literally had this pulled up. Uh, okay, so I'm gonna read like this entire paragraph to so just settle in for for a quick one here. Uh, let's see. This guy gave this is pertaining to to Andor the character. This guy gave his life for the galaxy, right? I mean, he conspicuously, serbly, without vanity or recognition, sacrificed himself. Who does that? He asks. That's what this first season is about. It's about him being really revolution-averse and cynical and lost and kind of a mess. The story begins with the destruction of Andor's birth world, then follows him into adulthood when he realizes he can't run forever. His adopted home will become the base of our whole first season, and we watch that place become radicalized, Gilray says. Then we see another planet that's completely taken apart in a colonial kind of way. The Empire is expanding rapidly. They're wiping out anyone who's in their way. By journey's end, Andor's path will be uh, will be to block theirs. So there you go. I mean, that was a lot, lot of information. Uh, this this show is going to span a lot. I know we've gotten that confirmation. It was twelve episodes. 
this already feels like it's going to be so much different than the Mandalorian as far as like a format wise, right? They talk about this. This almost looks like it's going to be more of like your traditional network TV in a sense of like a network TV with a really big budget where you're going to have more time with the character, more time at one location. And I'm really digging the fact that it seems like we're going to get into the root of like him as a separatist um, living in that world because we know from the novelization, I've been in this fight since I was... 10 or whatever it was and in the novelization of rogue one it's literally said that his parents are separatists and he was like throwing rocks at the republic soldiers and stuff like that i'm pretty sure so uh i'll start with ben what do, what do you think about this this big blurb we got here from gilroy that gives us our best information yet at andor season one which apparently is coming out in the summer by the way they did announce that in this article it's coming out this summer late yeah. summer they said yeah late summer so you know probably probably end of august or something like that end of august early september right i feel like you know at, that's a good example you know you mentioned comparing it to network television because when do network television shows usually come back it's usually late summer early september and i feel like that's gonna this is gonna fall right in line with that and uh as for the details though of the article it's great we finally get a an actual synopsis for the show you know, Lucasfilm isn't being like secretive with details. Like that's that's awesome. Like continue, just give us information. It, it doesn't it doesn't hurt to tell us even just a little bit of stuff. So uh, I really like the fact that they they told us about the show, and I feel like it just sets the tone really, and gives us an idea of, of what to potentially look for. And you know, it's going to I feel like it's going to really like dive into his character, um, of course. But with it being twelve episodes, it really makes me think. Just reading the the way that description reads, it makes me think we're going to also be getting some type of a potential um, dual storyline. So we'll have we'll have Cassian's story plus the villains, whoever the villain is of the the lead villain is of the series, their their side of the story. You know, think of it like our Arrowverse shows, like our other heck, even our other um, like say Marvel shows, for example, in the Marvel universe. Like you know, you see. Um, you know, you see the villains in, in the show and the heroes or, or, you know, and so on and so on. Like, I feel like we're going to get more of that because I don't, I don't think we'll get, you know, 12 straight Cassian dominated episodes. I think it'll be more alternating. Um, like maybe Cassian's like the lead for, you know, an episode, most of the first episode. And then like, he's in it for like half the next one and, and so on and so on. And it'll, it'll be kind of like a pattern like that. Yeah where we get more of a uh, dual type storyline between the villain and him. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned about this dual storyline because it's literally confirmed in this article. I pulled it up here. Uh, this again comes from the article saying in Andor, this is pertaining to Mon Mothba, by the way, in Andor, her story will run parallel to the title character oh. whom we know will eventually become one of the key agents. It's huge orchestral Dickinson ensemble cast. So this is, yeah, exactly. This is something we haven't seen in live action Star Wars storytelling, right? With each one of these new series, I'm always looking for what's going to make this different for not just characters like feeling wise, are these series going to each have their own kind of uniqueness to them? That's going to make them be like, Oh, this is a show you watch for this and this. I, I, we know that the theme of this is going to be like a spy thriller, but it does seem almost more like a game of Thrones esque series where you're going to have, you know, Mon Mothma that's in the, in the Senate at this point. We're going to probably see scenes on course. I remember we got that report earlier with the um, Chagrin uh, Vice Admiral guy or Vice Chair guy, um, Masameda. 
with the Royal Guards and saw that. So this this is where that storyline is probably going to play in there. And then you go for an episode, like you said, or maybe even the same episode. And then maybe we'll have, uh, you know, some guy in a white cape and a uh, white uniform. Maybe we'll have his perspective from Director Krennic or something. So this excites me because this definitely shows that Mandalorian was very small in its scope. Where it's just like every scene you're looking at Mandalorian or the child uh, but this is going to span the galaxy, it looks like. Uh, what about you, Milton? First uh, first uh, instincts on this one here. I'm looking forward to this show. Um, I'm, I'm not as excited for this as I am with Kenobi. However, because I liked Rogue One, I really enjoyed that movie. Um, and I liked the Endor end uh, character. I'm looking forward to seeing how they flesh him out. How do we get to see his uh, his character develop? And I'm looking forward to see how he connects from going from being a separatist to joining the rebellion and being a, f- a really like you know integral part of the leadership because that's going to be cool to because you know he's not going to start out that way something's going to happen or we may see it in a flashback where it convinces him hey i'm on the wrong side here um i'm looking forward to seeing mon mothma is that the same actress or the genevieve o'reilly, uh, yep. o'reilly. Yep. dude i saw that clip of her the other day looking fire by the way i you know, know. so is she looking right? So I just love how we're getting these characters that we are very comfortable with from other films and how we're just getting more of that story. So looking forward to this. Cannot wait to see how the Empire is just wrecking shop because that's something that we still haven't seen in a sense of this era of Star Wars. And that's what it looks like. I mean, from that paragraph I read earlier, they completely destroy his planet as a kid. Like... I want to see what that looks like. Are they going to glass the planet like they do in the Halo series where they have a bunch of Covenant warships that literally just like unload plasma on the 90% of the surface of the planet and just like turn it to like molten lava? Like that would be freaking crazy because we know obviously the Death Star is not activated at this point. We see that happen in Rogue One, not completely, but almost. But I would like to see something like that, like an orbital bombardment like you would see in, in Night's Hill Republic when Malak just unloads on the city of Terrace and just wipes that out. Like, I think that could be really just exciting to see like, okay, the separatists, like, cause we know what happens in, you know, in revenge of the Sith, like the separatists just get destroyed. Like, uh, you know, they all go to Mustafar Anakin kills the leadership. But what about like the rest of the separatist ships that are just out there in deep space, like around the planets, like, I guess the Empire just says, okay, you're all dead to us. It just goes in and wipes them out. Like, that, maybe his planet is kind of I mean, like that. And, and really, like, with the droid army, which was, I mean, they were shut down at the, at the end of Revenge of the Sith. So there's really no protection for these people in the sense of they don't have a military unless they have, I know this is Legends, if, if they're Rom Coda and they got their own personal militia, different story. But, you know, it'd be dope to have Rom Coda pop up in this show, just saying. But, oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, that'd be fire. But yeah, um, it, it'd be nice to see, again, how the Empire is transitioning from, okay, we are, we were the Republic. We showed the seeds of the Empire. Now we're really going to show like who we really are and just wreck everything. Yeah, what about you, Ben? What about seeing a young Cassian? What, what, what do you hope to see from like his perspective as a young yeah. boy? Like, What do you want to see from that? Yeah, the, the well, the thing is with him, I feel like there's a solid chance we'll we'll be getting flashbacks more predominantly, I think, um, versus say you know ex- an extended like multiple episodes or something with him um, being younger. So like, 
I think it'll be something along those lines. Like it'll be your your type of thing. You know, you you get flashbacks in shows and movies like where he'll he'll experience like something and he'll get a flashback. Like I think we'll get stuff like that. You know, that'll lead to like different things, like you mentioned. Maybe his planet getting um, really uh, pummeled, like things like that. Uh, maybe we'll get flashbacks to like the early era of the Clone Wars, potentially, or you know, like when he was a kid. Like that'd be pretty cool because, you know, what if we do get a flashback of like his parents, like say talking smack about the Republic, and we like see like from the Separatist perspective, you know, uh, like the clones as like enemies, basically. Like that'd be an interesting take. Um, so I think we'll get things like though that, and uh, and then of course like with the dual storyline going on, Mon Mothma, it's gonna be great seeing like what happens with her. Uh, seeing her in action because I, I guarantee you they're probably not going to have her just be like sitting in a desk chair the whole time you know uh, doing that sort of thing like I think I think we'll have some type of drama there and it does make me really think say if Palpatine isn't in the Kenobi series that means he's for sure going to be an Andor based on like Ian McDermott's comments so you know I could easily see Palpatine potentially you know doing like kind of a recreation of the whole episode three talking to the senate scene where he's talking to the whole galaxy and maybe mon mothma's there like you know checking it out yeah that's that's a good breakdown of what could happen um but yeah i just i'm looking forward to the transition to see him you you start to see the specks of hope Uh, we know right now that there's most likely going to be three seasons i mean even in this article they say the first season, so that's confirmation right there. We're getting more than one. We already heard K2SO is probably not going to make it into the series until season two anyway. So it's good that we're getting so much direction on just single character of Andor. But to see how he starts there, he kills his own guy, and then he really fights hard for the rebellion and becomes redeemed sort of at the end. That this We're going to see those seeds here, and I think that's going to be... It's going to be good, but also like to round out the universe, as, as Milton keeps saying, you know, you want to see the Empire fierce. You want to see the Empire at the full brunt of their power in live action. I mean, we've seen that in a couple animated things, but I, yeah, I mean, this is going to be here's, the place to do it. Here's something to throw out there. Think about this. What if what if they cast that guy he kills in Rogue One and he's like one of the side characters throughout this show? Oh, man. To like build I, it up, you know? I could see them doing that, and I could because I think we're gonna have that Saul Guerrero. I think he's gonna have to be in this show. I mean, he's yeah. a huge part of the rebellion, and that guy's one of his men, right? Basically, so if he's around, then that yep. guy could show up. Tivik. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there you have it for Andor. It's interesting now, like trying to piece together when this could come out. I think there's no way of escaping that it's gonna come out while She Hulk's on because we got the. Uh, confirmation She-Hulk will be out the first couple weeks of August. And that's going to be like a longer series of like 9 or 10 episodes from what I hear. Cassian's going to be about 12. So there's definitely going to be, from this part, doesn't matter if it's Obi-Wan and Ms. Marvel or if it's going to be Andor and She-Hulk. We're we're got to get used to watching a Marvel show and a Star Wars show every single week, which, hey, I'm not complaining. <laughs> that's going to be pretty neat, you know? It's like, what do I watch, watch- first every week? <laughs> Only way you'll be complaining is if, if they're trash. That's the only yep. way you'll complain, Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, 
there you go. I mean, I, yeah, you know, the Marvel stuff, I'm, I'm so-so on, like, like Miss Marvel. You know, I got a couple mm. gripes about the character as far as where she's, her powers look compared to the comics. And, you know, She-Hulk, I don't really know a lot about, so I'm, I, I really don't know what to expect from that one. But Yeah, I've, hey. I've only gotten through one episode of Moon Knight, and it's been out for a while now. <laughs> yeah that was that was that was that was a grind for me to finish that i it, it was tough but i got it done <laughs> <laughs> all right so some more star wars to look forward to um there's just a couple fun notes i made in here um about what it's taking for the creators for kathleen kennedy to like work she doesn't want the creators to like work for a single year like when you work for star wars like you got to be in it like you to accept like a movie or a show like this has to be like your specific thing you want to dedicate and i find that funny because this to say she's also hired patty jenkins who's juggling like all these projects and then she's saying in this article like she wants the creators to you know devote multiple years to making sure this thing goes and completes but it's like okay yeah you say that now but there's been a lot of issues and i think that's why she probably said that like these creators are maybe in with one foot and out with another foot trying to do another project and then that's when they have created differences i don't know i'm just assuming which is not great to do but right and see this is my problem i have with her sometimes like i know she's a great producer i'm sure she's well deserving of that president's title however this is where i think she's she overdoes it and what I mean is she needs to focus on her strengths as being a president. That is coordination, you know, communication, getting people together. Let the creative people be the creative people. You know, I think early on, you know, we talked about how Star Wars didn't really have a plan, you know, and I felt like they were just being very chaotic. And I hear some of that right here with her. But then I do hear that she's trying to course correct and say, listen, we want to get people to, to, to sign with us for multiple years, multiple projects. Let's try to keep it within the family for a while, and then they can go expand out. However, in today's society, especially with these creators, they're not willing to be caught up in one thing. You know, Kathleen needs to understand, like, multiple studios are trying to get these people in their in their rooms. Look at um, your boy, um, Guardians of the Galaxy guy. James uh, Gunn. James Gunn, you know. He was exclusively Marvel at one point, we all thought. Then all of a sudden, he jumps ship to Warner Brothers, makes their Suicide Squad movie. Now he's got the Peacemaker show with the season two coming out. Then he's going to go yep. back and do Guardians. And he's hitting two major franchises. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, him? yeah, yep. so it's not cool. like he's going, and it's not like he's going to say no to stop being creative. Like he's challenging himself. And she needs to understand that these creators, going, they, they want to challenge themselves. So they're not going to just want to be in one place all the time. Yeah, so yeah, I that... pulled up the exact quote here, um, which pertains to, so hopefully it's a little bit more transparent when I was trying to explain a couple minutes ago. So sh- this is all to do um, in this part of the article leading to the hiatus, which is, you know, annualizing each movie coming out every single year. There's like three movies, four movies and, and four in, in three years, something like that. Um, she's saying we all recognize every single one of us. This is a new chapter for the company, and we need to all work together to create the architecture for where we are going. Um, and she's also uh, put input on this. Um, let's see. The most important lesson they learned from from this Star Wars required a greater de- a degree of professional devotion from filmmakers. Anyone who comes into Star Wars universe 
needs to know that it's a three, four, five-year commitment. She says, that's what it takes. You can't stop in for a year and shoot something and then walk away. It requires that kind of nurturing. So there you go. I mean, that that's probably what happened in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of these people are just, they got their hands in too many pots, like cooking too many things at one time. And it's just like, got to focus, right. you know. Yeah, but well, see, and this and this is why I, I don't feel bad for her in this nature. And I know she, I know what she's trying to do, and I get it. But Kathleen, you're the one that that set this precedent early. You know, you told JJ come back for one film, because I remember didn't they have JJ lined up, or uh, Ryan and then Colin all lined up. Yeah. And I remember at mm-hmm. the one celebration they had, they talked about Josh Trank doing yeah. the original Boba, the, Fett, the Boba movie. Fett movie. Um, and there was somebody else, uh, Lord James Miller. Man- or Hans- J- James Mangold was doing Obi Wan, apparently. Obi-Wan, you know, that yeah. got reported everywhere by Hollywood reporter right. everywhere. Must so, he do a Boba Fett too at one point? I yeah, thought he was so doing Boba Fett as well. Yep. But then Josh Trank became the guy, and then Lord Miller was uh, Boba, or excuse me, um, Han Solo. Yep. But it's like you sign all these directors, you you announce these projects. And there, there's no commitment after that that particular project. Like that's on her. Like she set that precedent. Then you wind up. None of those guys worked out except for two, Ryan Johnson and J.J. Abrams. Everyone else was gone. So it's yeah. like, well, like, on like, top, Gareth the, the Edwards. Obi-Wan. That was an interesting thing. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, was, I forgot Edwards, about that one. Yeah. Yeah, Gareth Edwards had to, you know. Let, I mean, he, he he said it on a podcast. I listened to the podcast. He, really? He said he yeah. He said basically like because because like the podcaster asked him. That was right around the time uh, shortly after Rogue One came out, and like his direct thing he said was um, talking about um, like he said in a joking way. But when people joke around about stuff, you know you know there's it's more to it. it. And and he said he joked around about you know uh, having to like play ball with like the baseball team there at Lucasfilm, which basically means hey, you have to do this. Um, so like, you know, when, when you play ball, like that's, that's definitely, you know, not the, like say nicest way to negotiate because remember they had to have, um, Tony Gilroy to come in to basically finish up the movie. So, you know, you have that type of a situation you have, uh, as you stated, like, you know, you have all of these directors, there's so much money out there when it comes to, um, all of these different movies and series and everything. Look. Um, the Game of Thrones guys, they left for Netflix. They left um, to Netflix. I think their deal was 100 or $200 million. Like, heck, um, we'll get into Ryan Johnson's stuff later. But Ryan, he left Star Wars. And I mean, come on. Why wouldn't you? Netflix gave him a $400, $400 million contract. Whoa. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you didn't realize that, Chris. Yeah, his contract with Netflix is $400 million. What? Yeah, that's yeah. like they own his like exclusive rights or whatever. So oh, uh, he's, he's doing the whole knives out, the whole, the whole, the whole, the whole knives out franchise. Yeah, That's it's insane. Netflix, yeah, half a billion dollars. I can't even fathom a director getting that kind of money. Yeah. I know they have, I know they have a really difficult straining job, but yep. that's half a billion dollars. Yeah, that's crazy. So, so yeah. it's like, why would you go to Star Wars and maybe make whatever, say, Ryan's would make for? 10 20 million a movie when you could get 400 from netflix like it makes no sense like to me i think that's another um practice that star wars should do they should throw an offer like that some of these big directors like hey we'll give you 200 million to stay with us for the next five years eight years whatever well yeah and, go, so yeah go, ben i agree with that so go back to the old model of 
I believe back in what fifties and sixties where like a lot of actors were signed with a studio. Yep. You know, like uh. like I think John Wayne John Wayne was with uh Golden Metro and Mayor, I think is how you say it. Or yeah. Metro Golden Mayor. Like MGM. Like he, he was a big MGM guy. You know, um, look at a lot of the Nolan, like, Nolan's with Warner Brothers. And Nolan was a Warner Brothers guy. I think actually speaking of Warner Brothers, didn't um, JJ just go over to Warner Brothers for like a big deal? Yep, it's it's rumored he's doing a Superman movie. Yeah, but like he signed there for like for a couple hundred million or whatever to do a couple yep. movies for Warner Brothers. So it's like, like yes, Warner Brothers and 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 DC. And, and all these studios are saying, hey, we're going to get these directors, but we're going to get them for multiple mo- movies, not just for one. Yeah, that's that's what I think Star Wars needs to incorporate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So moving along in the article, uh, th- this pr- this part's pretty funny. This goes into the Mandalorian stuff. They didn't, they didn't really re- reveal anything at all as far as information, other than we're getting season three. It could still be this year, if not early next year so there's still that hope that they said 2022 but they also said 2023 at the same time so it could be either way um hopefully they don't run in any snags and if it goes you know nice and smooth we'll get that by the end of this year as well so we could have you know two mandalorian tales with book of both and, and season three in, in the same year that, that's pretty exciting um but they did go on to explain like the history of of um the mandalorian and how Filoni got together with with Favre. I think it's very interesting. I'm not going to go over every little tiny line detail in this, but basically they had two separate Mandalorian shows in the works. So like Favreau had his one idea and then Kathleen Kennedy is basically like, well, you know, Dave Filoni has been trying to like do something with Mandalorians because that's a big thing that him and George were developing with the Clone Wars and, with you know, the peaceful Mandalorians of Mandalore that turned away on the violence of the past and so they ended up just hitting it off. Like like Kathleen Kennedy was like, uh, eh, I'll have them two in a room, but it's probably not gonna end well. But it turned out that they were like best buds and they just got together and, and really coordinated and collaborated really well. But I just think that's pretty cool how like the Mandalorian is like an amalgamation of like these two separate ideas. And you could see that, like all the sprinkling of the stuff from the Filoni, you could clearly see that stuff, and you can see like the stuff that Favreau was kind of designing because he did design Grogu, and they kind of mashed together, and they're, I think they're they're working very well together. So, what do you guys think about that one? That's been the best part of Star Wars thus far is the Mando stuff. Um, I mean, and really those two creators, and I'm a, I'm a prop them up heavy. Dave Filoni, we all love the Clone Wars because you know how. One, he came from George's, you know, you know, teachings and elevated Star Wars, I think, with Clone Wars. Clone Wars elevated the prequels in the original trilogy, in my opinion. You know, um, and Dave told so good stories and expanded the lore of this universe. And it's like that show is so rewatchable. It never gets boring to me. You know, yeah, there's some episodes that are wonky. But they're not like trash. It's like, okay, whatever, I can skip it. I don't need it. But it's still worth watching. And as for Favreau, I mean, he's such a great storyteller in himself. Look at the Iron Man's. Look at the Lion King. Look at the Jungle Book. Mm-hmm. He's a good actor. You know, he's got he's got experience in front and behind the camera, which you can tell, like, he's probably the seasoned vet of the two. You know, and it's it's like it's like they're a good use a sports analogy. Kobe and Shaq, Scotty and Michael, Clyde and uh, um, Clyde and, and the Dream, like 
they, they, they bounce off each other well. You know, I can throw uh, uh, Favreau into the low post and hit a jumper while Filoni can hit a three from the elbow. You know, like, they, they do a really good job at collaborating off each other, feeding off each other's strengths, but also feed, making each other's weaknesses, like, you know, better. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What about you, Ben? What do you think about this cool collaboration that's been in the works for a while? Oh, yeah. I completely agree with, um, you know, the points you just made, Milton. It makes me want to see Favreau and Peloni on a basketball court. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but uh, yeah, I think it's a really good... Uh, it's a really good pairing, you know, as you, as you mentioned, Milton, like all the, all the great things about both of them, Filoni's from the Lucas camp of things. You got Favreau with his um, unique in front of the camera and behind the camera type storytelling, which he's been uh, really good at for the most part, I would say. And it's nice, you know, he has a, he has such a wide variety of experience, you know, with his, uh, obviously he has live action, but he also has like the animated things like, like the Lion King, Jungle Book, etc. Mm-hmm. You know, those will obviously play out really well for these Mandoverse shows because there's a lot of CGI now potentially Luke being on the table more like, you know, they're gaining more and more experience with these these types of like technologies and it's going to make it's going to um help John and Dave like innovate even more and you know, that that's one of the most exciting parts to me is like I really feel like you know, with with JJ, with Ryan, like nothing against them. They're they're fine directors. Like Knives Out's really good. JJ has some good movies in his um, filmography, etc. Um, but to me, it feels like they were more of like eh, more corporate, I would say, than like like Favreau and Filoni feel like they're part of like say the fans, if that makes sense. Like they have they have the pulse of the fans. It seems like um versus like hey i'm gonna just do whatever i want because they hired me to do it versus like weighing out what the fans potentially may or may not like Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I, 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 I would agree with that i would agree with that it's just um you know seeing all these different creators throughout the years i mean everybody knows who feloni is i think favreau has definitely become a household name um more so than I would say JJ Abrams at this point, you know. Oh yeah. So. Yep. So moving on from this one, we have another fun tidbit that I I just wanted to put in here because it's kind of cool. All right. So they're talking about the stagecraft, aka the volume, which is what helps create the Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, and a lot of other things. Apparently, I found it cool. They already have three of these things in LA. I think last time we checked, there was only a single one. They also have one in, I think, Europe and maybe Australia. So they're really upping their production with these because now there's other movies and stuff that are starting to use them. I think Thor uses them in an upcoming the, movie. Yeah, so. the entire the entire uh, Love and Thunder movie was shot on the Valley, I'm pretty sure. Whoa, that's awesome. I, well, I, I, I'm yeah. pretty sure it's most of it, but continue. Yeah, so, so apparently next door, James Cameron is like in the works of, you know, making Avatar 2 and 3 or whatever, and he's, like, using this really crazy, like, technology that's going to be in this upcoming movie of, like, him shooting underwater scenes and all that. I'm not really sure what's really groundbreaking about that, but apparently it is. So one day, you know, I guess somebody invites him over to check out the volume, and the guy was sold. And and as we know, I think he's had a couple really harsh criticisms of Star Wars, um, to say the least, I think, for the most part. 
but apparently they got him on this like they actually got this guy to be like basically like yeah this is a good technology which is like to say a lot because this guy pioneers this guy's sort of like george lucas james cameron pioneered a lot of technology um for filmmaking in his time so hey they got the gold stamp for uh you know from james cameron so they're, they're doing a good thing so i wanted to throw that in there i thought that was a cool oh, yeah bit. yeah i think that's great i mean james cameron is like right there with um lucas and ilm james cameron is the guy like you know pushing visual effects forward more and more i mean avatar revolutionized um what we know like in terms of what's possible with cg and stuff as well as i mean heck look back at terminator and terminator 2 especially um you know james cameron's touch on the film industry is well noticed and it's great like knowing you know he was like hey this is this is good stuff like because gosh think about the opposite side of it if they would have came out of that and like if a quote would have got out of James Cameron criticizing the volume, then people would have been like cross-examining every episode of Mando and Obi-Wan and everything, you know, be like, oh man, James Cameron doesn't like this, but it's great that, that he does like that's, that's, it, it's going to be interesting too. Now that, you know, there he's, um, you know, the Avatar movies are owned through Disney and stuff just to see how they end up, you know, playing out like with the volume and, um, just all of that, like, but yeah, I just, I just think it's, it's really good hearing, you know, such a highly touted director slash creator, you know, putting a stamp of, of approval on it. I, it's great news. Yeah. What about, what about you, Milton? Do you, do you like a lot of James Cameron's movies? I mean, I like Terminator one and two avatar. I liked, but he's playing around too much. I mean, he should have made avatar six years ago. But I, I get, I know the whole technology thing. It is what it is. But honestly, I have no idea about this. What's it called? The volume? Yep. Yeah, I, I didn't even see this. So I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Oh, okay. So the volume is like what they shoot the Mandalorian on. It's like that, that big wraparound screen. The big digital. The oh, oh, yeah, yeah, the, no, no, the no, no. I did stage. see that. Yep. Did they yep. use that in season one? Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. I remember seeing it. I didn't realize that what it was called. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. I, I I like how they do it because it's very much like they bring the, it's like they can they can transition like the sets off of that. For yeah. what I remember, no, that's cool. I mean, I don't know, no, that's dope. So now we're good. I like it. And I want to back up real quick before I forget to even talk about how epic this is. So if you guys are looking at the article, like the the the, the actual cover photo is just so epic because they got all and they have a behind the scenes clip of like the production of these photos that they made but it they're all in the volume all these guys you know they have the darth vader they have reva they have obi-wan they have the mon mothra mothma they have cassian they have din they have a so like all these actors came together one day and they all just like had a photo shoot but like it's just you look at these images and first of all they're um amazing uh, photos they, they are taken by um Annie Leibovitz, who is very renowned with, yep. with taking awesome Star Wars photos, I think since like episode one, I think she's been involved with them. Um, yep. But it's just so cool if you just sit back and be like, hey, all these actors were literally on on the volume one day. And you can see the behind the scenes stuff of like Obi-Wan, like like chuckling with with, um, you know, Din Jar and stuff like that. They're all costumes like, oh, that would be a fun thing to imagine. Well, here it is happening right before our eyes with Pedro Pascal and Ewan McGregor just having some laughs. 
Looks, looks like they're going to be uh, forming the Avengers. Seriously. I know that looks... that's what I that's what came to mind too, Milton. Like when I saw that picture, I was like, man, this feels like the Avengers. And then when you see the villains one, you know, it, it feels like it's like the whatever Sinister Six, I guess, or something. Yeah. But uh <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought it I thought it was really great. And I'm pretty sure you uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is the last official physical um Vanity Fair magazine that's getting released like with uh with uh, Andy Leibovitz doing doing the uh, the photography, I'm pretty sure. Really? This is their, okay. Yep. That because they made a big stink about it because um, you know they were like, oh well, you know she's done so many things like when Star Wars came back and now uh, you know this is like her final like issue or whatever. It's so, like for anybody like you know who collects things like that, like that's definitely like a collector's type thing to pick up. Yeah, I mean, I know for a fact that. Entertainment Weekly, that final issue with um, whatever was that Boba Fett on there? No, yep. it was Ewan McGregor. It was it was Ewan McGregor. Oh wait, okay, actually, never mind. Hold on, I got Entertainment Weekly and Vanity um, mixed up. Yeah, that was Entertainment yeah. Weekly. I was like, wow. I was gonna, to, to say, I know that the internet is a huge thing with with publications these days, but man, these magazine companies are dropping like flies. If that's the case, <laughs> yeah, no, that was Entertainment Weekly. My bad, people. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, you could still go to your newsstand and pick up these things physically. So there you go. That still exists if you know where to find them. I guess you got to go to like Barnes and Noble or something. Newsstands don't really exist too much anymore. I guess unless you're in like a major, major city. Um, all right. So getting into our next story here, we're gonna go back to some interesting canon tidbits and places of stories and where they take place because we heard from Leslie Headley. She is the showrunner for The Acolyte, and we now know it has taken place 100 years before The Phantom Menace. We know it took place at the end of The High Republic, and that's a very nebulous time period because we now know that The High Republic dates back all the way up to 350 years before The Phantom Menace. So now we have a more solidified idea. Um, judging by the way she was, you know, different details she was putting into this report, she has been doing her homework. She has been looking at, you know, the different High Republic things, or at least the artwork, because she mentions like a lot of the the white and the gold on the on the robes, which is the um, the Jedi Council kind of uh, material and clothing they wear. But I'm just happy that we're getting more information about this. That uh, you know, a hundred years, you can have a lot of speculation. I put out a little YouTube short, which was the first one I ever made. I I've, have been neglecting that feature for the last year. It's been out. But I put it out to everybody out there like, hey, could this mean there's a plausible chance to get some Darth Plagueis content in the Acolyte? I mean, only 100 years before, you know, Palpatine looks like he's already like 50 something by the time Phantom Menace rolls around. So I think there's a really good possibility that we could see Darth Plagueis. So I'll throw it over to Milton for the first one on this. Uh, what do you think about this report 100 years before Phantom Menace? What can we glean from this? Do you think that Plagueis can be in it? Absolutely. I see no reason why. I mean, if you want to introduce him, this would be the way to do it. You know, he he was a, he was alive. So, like there there's no in ends or buts around it. He was alive during this time period. I mean, we don't I forget what is his race? Um what's He's his technically name? immune in legends, he but I mean, t we don't okay. actually know if he actually is one so, right now. So Canada, let's assume immunes can live for 300 years, you know, or whatever it is. Let's just assume aliens can live longer than human beings. He's alive. With I mean, I don't know. No one can tell me any different. 
and let's see him plant the seeds of his his quote unquote the his ultimate plan of yeah Palpatine may not be born yet or maybe Palpatine is older than what we think he is and maybe he's around you know maybe maybe mm. the Sith or excuse me yeah maybe, maybe the dark side of the Force how unnatural as it is you know prolonged his life as an adult or made him younger looking when we first saw him in Phantom Menace you never know they they can manipulate the dark side of the force to say hey mm-hmm. it can it can keep you from aging you know think about the lightning that came out of his body mm-hmm. it screwed his skin up you know made him look so much older and he lived for another what 40 years after that so um yeah i i can see plagueis being alive perfect way to introduce him i want to see plagueis start putting the seeds in place of what we're going to then see in the phantom menace Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm bringing up the article again here, um, and this is Headland describing the acolyte as a mystery thriller, set in a prosperous and seemingly peaceful era when the galaxy is still sleek and glistening. We actually use the term the Renaissance or the Age of Enlightenment. She says, "Jedi were not always stoic, moon, uh, monk-like creatures living selflessly and, and bravely. The Jedi uniforms are gold and white, like I was saying, and it's always like they never would get dirty. Uh, they would never be out and about, Hedlund says. The idea is that they could have these types of uniforms because that's how little they're getting into skirmishes. Interesting. Oh, yeah. What do you yeah, think about this, Ben? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's definitely interesting. I, I think that we're going to get... Um, We'll probably get Darth Plagueis to some some way, shape, or form. I think so. If not, it'd be it would be a misstep unless they take the story in a totally totally different direction. But it, you know, as you said, Milton, he's around during this time period. Whether you know, no matter what age, unless unless mutants are only like you know can live fifty years or something. But uh, you know, for the most part, like he would be around during this era, and like. The more and more we hear about the Acolyte, I am really thinking the way they're going to go with it. You know, look at the um, the model of Book of Boba Fett, the way they took his character. I really think we'll be getting some type of, like, say, similar things with um, even this show, where the Acolyte will, will have, like, this new lead, new Sith uh, Force user or whatever, Dark Side user, and they'll probably end up seeing what Darth Plagueis is about and slowly and slowly and slowly, maybe, uh, you know, their faith is chipped away from dark Darth Plagueis. So by the end of the series, I feel like the, the main character will probably turn good and maybe Darth Plagueis takes him out or something. But I, I think, uh, I just feel like it's an inevitable for it to go in that direction. But if I had to put a percentage on it, I would say it's like a 70% chance Darth Plagueis is in this series. Like, he he has to be. Like, it it's for the time period. Like, it, it works perfectly, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you have this character that got name-dropped. Same thing with Darth Bane. I think if any character ever gets a name-drop, like, we're going to have to see them eventually. Even if it takes 30 years, we're going we're gonna to see those characters eventually. Yep. And I would just, you know, we, we get in the High Republic and... You know, at this point, the higher public stories are 200 years before the events, at least in phase one. Phase two, they go back even further to 350 years. But the 200 years, uh, there's no word of Sith at all. Like Sith, 
other than oh they've been dead for a long time we don't get any perspectives on any sith in the background this is what we're going to get in this show obviously the acolyte acolytes pertaining to almost like padawans in the sith sense of things at least that's what i got from in killing lots of them in the old republic and the knights old republic lots of sith athletes acolytes running around so yeah i mean there's there's a lot of potential and we're going to see that I like how she was talking about how the Jedi are already seeming like they're dogmatic at this point, like we see in the Phantom Menace, where they're just not going out and about. They're just sitting back in their, in their place in the Jedi Temple real quick. Um, if I want to, I'm going to just give a very, very slight spoiler alert for the High Republic phase one here. So if you don't want to hear this for like 10 seconds, go ahead. Uh, basically, at the end of Phase 1, all the Jedi retreat into Coruscant, to the Jedi Temple. They get retreated back there because there's a huge disaster that happens with um, just a bunch of these Force-devouring creatures that suck the Force out of the Jedi and kill them that way. And they don't. The Jedi don't know how to deal with these creatures, so they all get recalled back to the Jedi Temple, which is, I think... Another thing that happened in, in, in Order 66 is like their emergency beacon. Like everybody goes back to the temple. So I think we're already starting to see that in the High Republic with the books. Is like the Jedi are like getting more closed minded. They're being kind of herded together. And by the time of this show, 100 years later, I think they're going to really at that point be like, okay, we're done exploring. We're kind of happy with where things are now. We don't have to go to the Outer Rim as much. We're going to let the huts just take over the outer rim we're gonna just you know we're comfortable where we are now and then we're gonna see hopefully because she mentions in this article about why did the jedi not sense the dark side like what happened to them how could they not even see that right under their noses the sith lord was there the entire time so hopefully we actually get an answer maybe there's like a physical thing or or a spiritual thing through the force that some of these sith lords were doing well you know it's funny when I was reading that, you know, my first thought was like in old legends material. Um, I don't remember what book it was. It might have been the uh, the one book that takes place between Attack of the Clones and um, Episode Three, or it like leads up into Episode Three. Um, Cloak of Deception. Anyways, yeah, I think I think Labyrinth it, it of might, Evil. Yeah, it might. Oh yeah, it might have been in Labyrinth Evil. Um, but it's like implied Palpatine's holding a physical item on his self as to why he was able to like keep basically in the oh. in the shadows. Like it was it was implied. I think it was in Labyrinth of Evil. Um, if I it, whichever book it was, the uh, the the rebel or the uh, the Republic officers like investigating and the get, gets killed by Palpatine at the very end. Oh my gosh! Like whatever book that was, it was either Labyrinth of Evil or the other one. Um, but anyways, like in that book, like it's, it's heavily implied like Palpatine because, you know, from his point of view, he was like talking, um, to Masamita or whatever. And then some of his like tenets and basically saying like, yeah, the Jedi didn't even know I was like right in front of him. Like, you know, so, and it, it was like getting implied, um, that he had a, uh, like a physical item on him. So maybe... Who knows maybe that's another instance if they pull from legends like they actually address that yeah i mean milton what would you, what would you like to see from from the acolyte as far as a series that would kind of separate itself from 
the Mandalorian from Obi-Wan Kenobi from Andor. I mean, we see it's going to be a mystery thriller in my eyes. I'm, I'm hoping this for, we always, you know, our, us hardcore fans at the age we are and maybe older are looking for that really like dark, gritty, lots of carnage. And I could think of no better like entry in any of the lineup that we have that we're talking about tonight than we're going to have a Sith show. I would assume there's going to be a lot of assassinating going on. I was about on. to say. A lot of, say, yeah. I'm thinking maybe they, maybe this show can be based off the rule of two. What I mean is maybe uh, some type of dark side user thinks that, listen, the rule of two is, is, no, is not needed. It's kind of out of date. Let's bring back the Sith army. You know, let's Ooh. let's kind of do let's let's go back to the ways of I think Darth Bane wiped out the Sith from from right. He wiped yep. them all out. Mm -hmm. yep. So may, so maybe this Alkalite person thinking, listen, Darth Bane was wrong. We need to go back to the way Darth Malgus was wrecking shop. You know, that'd be dope. If they name dropped him. That, that'd be fire if they did Darth Malgus. But mm. let's say this person's like, we want to go back the way of Darth Malgus, blah, blah, blah. And he, they're trying to build up the Sith. And then obviously this this picture Acolyte is trying to get followers and, and people to rebuild the Sith. And that's when I'm thinking maybe Plagueis might pop up later in the show and say, no, 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 no. We need to keep it low. Like That's why we've been surviving so long. Rule of two is better. Join me. But then Lester the Acolyte and Plagueis start having like this rivalry to figure out who's going to be the ultimate Sith. You know, that type of thing. I, I want it to be some type of like, Let's try to build up the old ways of the Sith, but also try to keep the old, the, the current ways of the rule of two. Oh, yeah, that that would be great. I think on top of that layered in with the say the Acolyte and let's say Darth Plagueis is in it as well. Maybe from the beginning we get, uh, you know, since it's mystery. Maybe they go like, you know, you start off, I don't know. With like the hollow net, for example, I think it's called the hollow net, right? The new yes. net there. Yeah. Okay. So, so you start out with like, what if you get like a hollow net report of like, you know, the Jedi are finding like some of their random Jedi that are like on missions, like dead, like, and they can't discover, mm -hmm. you know, it's like a murder, murder mystery type thing. Yeah. So like, so like maybe, maybe that like will be something that, that plays into it. And then, you know, that would be cool because then that would like, maybe it would spook like the galactic citizens like holy smokes what's taking out the jedi like they're they're pretty much like gods like so i think i think they're gonna go in that type of a direction because what other you know to me what other mystery direction could you go into other than since it's a dark side show like it has to be taking out jedi you you'd, you'd assume anyways yeah because as mace says in, or whoever you know, we haven't seen the Sith in a millennium. So you literally can't... Whoever sees them has to get killed immediately. You know? You yep. can't get away. So. I agree. Now, this is a very interesting one. So we've been following these rumors and these reports about this upcoming show called Grammar Rodeo that probably, I would assume, we'll know more information about by this time next week because of Star Wars Celebration and the panel that they're going to have there. Uh, but we have this update on this thing called Grammar Rodeo. And, well, Vanity Fair is reporting that it's not a High Republic show that we were thinking that it could be. But it's actually a post-Return of the Jedi reconstruction that follows the fall of the Empire. Uh, the same as The Mandalorian, but its plot remains a secret. It's created and executive produced by director John Watts and writer Chris Ford. 
who made Spider-Man Homecoming for Marvel. Um, a casting notice has called for four children around 11 to 12 years old. Inside Lucasfilm, the show is being described as a galactic version of classic Amblin coming-of-age adventure films of the 80s. So automatically, I'm thinking of like E.T. Because that comes to mind. But I know we were thinking about this was like other reports were calling this like kind of like the stranger things of Star Wars. But this gets very interesting because we also knew that John Favreau also was having something to do with this. And at the time we thought it was High Republic. Now it makes even more sense that he would be involved because if it's around the same time frame as Mandalorian, we know that Filoni and Favreau basically have the keys to the kingdom there. Anything that comes out in that era, they have to okay. In fact, they had a, a novel that was supposed to come out, a comic that was supposed to come out, and I'm pretty sure those two guys were like, nope, you can't make it, because we want to have all the storytelling rights first, and then maybe after we get done in 10 years or whatever it's going to take, then you guys can make all your stories filling in gaps. So this is interesting. I put this out to Ben, and, and, and I don't know if you've seen this message, Milton, but I was like, I kind of have a feeling, and this is really out there, but maybe not so much. This might be like a Luke Skywalker Young Jedi Academy. And I think that Book of Boba Fett episode 6 was like the backdoor pilot. We know that they can do a Luke for an entire hour. Maybe just throw some kids in there. We pick up at the same Jedi temple and we're seeing how that all goes. Maybe we get like a, a like a young Ben at some point that joins that place. Mm. I don't know, but like I'm probably, you know, <sighs> speculating beyond belief right now, but I, I mean that seems like too good of a thing to pass up because here's my other point. You have John Watts, which first off, the guy got done doing the Spider-Man trilogy, excellent, and he literally said, "Oh, I'm done. I'm taking a break." It's like are you really? Because now you're involved with Star Wars and who better to direct kids because he's already done that with the high school antics of the kids. What kind of high school do you have in Star Wars? You have a Jedi Academy. I could see kids running around and learning how to use the force by Luke Skywalker. I mean, come on. Is that a great idea, guys? Well, um, I know you're about to talk, Milton. Just just to throw this out there to add in um, <laughs> while you're thinking. So also remember, guys, it was about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, it got reported by several, um, you know, credible people that Lucasfilm filed. It was like a, you literally just sparked my uh, memory on that, Chris. They filed a, uh, it was like a copyright or whatever for the term Skywalker Academy. Like oh. that was literally, a, that was a copyright they filed. What? It was like a year and a half. Yeah, it was like a year and a half ago, but just to throw that out there, um, but continue, Milton. I don't know how I feel about this. Not saying I wouldn't be interested. I I think it depends on how they do this show. Um, if if it's what if it's true, let let's Chris let's say your idea is true and it's confirmed that it's a it's a couple episodes couple seasons of Luke Skywalker's Jedi Academy. One thing I don't want it to be a drama filled CW show in the sense of like high school stuff. I don't need that. <laughs> you know we 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 already already got that in CW. We got that in Spider Man. I want this to be more like. Have you guys ever seen um, um, uh, the the Sabrina show on Netflix? Yeah, yep. I've seen some of it. Yeah, yeah that's some like of it, a yeah. really grisly show. Yeah, I want to get something like that mixed with Stranger Things. Oh wow! Things. You know, just because like, yeah, you're going to have some of the, the the I guess the teenage stuff, and I don't want these kids to be casted like little four year olds. Like, I need them to be like. You know, 12, 11, 13. Well, like, I, need says, them actually, yeah, yeah. I need them to actually do something. Like, I, I feel like Star Wars doesn't have good luck with kids when it comes to, like, 
working with them and, and expanding those characters. I mean, no disrespect to Jake Lloyd, but people don't didn't like him as Anakin Skywalker. I like that particular character, obviously. Didn't mind Jake. He, we, were, we were about the same age when that movie came out. So yeah. I don't, Star Wars doesn't have a good track record with working with kids. You know, people make fun of the the, the broom kid in, in Last Jedi. Yeah. He, said, he said two words. You know what I'm saying? Or people didn't like the casino planet of the capitalism and slavery with kids. They were like, this is stupid. You know, so it's like, you know, I, I just hope if they do it with kids, make it worth our while. And you have to sprinkle the Luke dust in that show because I'm not watching it if, if I don't see Luke. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. Mean, go ahead, Ben. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. Like, I think I think with this show. I feel like I really feel like it's going to be a Luke and uh, younglings or first students show. Like I, I think, and that's not even me. Like it's not me like knowing any inside information or anything. Like I, um, like I feel like it just has to be like, what else would you put in that timeline? Like with kids like that, like it's, it's after episode six with kids. And then my thing about it is I pointed out in our group chat, um, I'm not sure if you caught it earlier in the week, Milton, but but my thing with it is, okay, you put out a casting call for kids, but you don't have to put out a casting call for a CGI Luke. So it just makes me think, are they going to go that route? Like, I really, really think that's that's where they're going to go. Like, I, I, I just don't see any other show you could put in there, like, you know, like I jokingly said, like, what is it going to be an Ewok show, a sequel to the Ewoks movies or something? Like, yeah. like what else? What else could it be? Like, it, it has right. to be Skywalker Academy. Like, it has to be something. And like I think, that. and I think, if you're going to use kids, they, these kids cannot act like normal kids in the sense of like, yeah, I know the kids are kids, but you know, I'm looking at an example of uh, D, okay, DC for example. DC does a really good job with their animated films. Mm -hmm. Damian Wayne. Damian Wayne in those animated films are, is so dope. And he's like, what, 12 or 13? Have you seen those animated films of, of no. him? Okay, so like Bruce Wayne has a son, spoiler, to Talia al Ghul. Huh. Okay, so in the comics, she actually like rapes him, gets pregnant, and like has a kid by Batman. So in Wait, the animated, what? Yeah, dude, it's, it's legit. Like it's a storyline where like Talia al Ghul gets Batman like drunk or like knocks him out. She assaults him, gets pregnant and then has a baby. Holy so, so, crap. so in the, in the animated movies that they released, Damian Wayne, you know, is revealed as Bruce Wayne's son. And Damian makes a joke to his daddy. Cause his dad was going on a date and he says, he's like, father, he's like, make sure you wear, make sure you watch your drink and you bring protection with you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, but no, Damian Wayne as this <laughs> character, as a twelve-year-old kid who plays Robin, he's very much uh, an adult in a sense, but he's a kid too. Yeah. But he's a badass. So I, I would love to see kids like that, in a sense of like they're they're ahead of their time, but they're still kids, but they can kick a lot of ass. Kind of like Hit Girl from um, what's that movie? Kick Ass. I've not watched it in a long time. I have no idea about it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try to look up or, or, um, Amblin 80s films to try to get a good idea yep. of like what they're going for. I don't know if you're ahead of me on that one already, Ben, but well, I mean, go ahead. I, I mean, the main one that comes to mind is E.T. Like E.T. is the quintessential 
Amblin 80s film. Oh yeah, and I say that Skywalker trademark thing, Chris. Um, but anyways, um, E.T. is like the the trademark of like that of like kids films. Like honestly, if you think about it, what movie before E.T. do you remember like with kids and and you don't, in my opinion, like it's it always goes back to E.T. Like E.T. set the standard. I feel like for kids, uh, you know, kids. Uh, oh man. So oh man. That, so that's what makes me think it'll be something in that that regard where Luke's going to potentially be like the parent of like these kids, like, you know, like, you know, in a E.T., like uh, the main characters, you know, parents were hanging around. So maybe it'll be something along those lines. Check, check this out. All right. So I found a good list here. We have Gremlins, which I just watched. Love that movie. We got the Goonies. I mean, look at that, right? That Those kids were all like probably maybe a little bit older than 12. Maybe not. But like I could see a fun like romp around like like look at the Clone Wars, for instance, right? They had that one youngling arc. I could see like a live action version of that, you know, like these really young kids just got their lightsabers from Ilum. They're traveling around and they get lost from Luke or something. Because I, I think we did hear reports about like they were supposed to be on an adventure or something. So maybe to save money. Like, there's one episode with Luke, and it's, like, the first episode, and then, like, Luke takes them somewhere, and they get lost. I don't know how, but they'll, they'd will they probably try to pull something like that to save a little bit of cash, and then they see him at, again at the end of the season or something like that. Yeah, I could see it maybe doing something like that, or maybe, like, Luke, for example, is maybe early on in the season giving them some type of lesson about, you know, don't underestimate this, don't do that, whatever. Then the kids go on their mission, little adventure... And then maybe they get into danger. Luke, you know, Luke saves them maybe halfway through the season. Then the kids, you know, th then of course after the kids learn their lesson, they, they'll go on the, their next mission and then complete it. And then we meet back up with Luke maybe at the end of the series. Like maybe it'll be something like that. Yeah, yeah. So you also have uh, Hook. You have the Back to the Future series. Um, I wouldn't really consider Jurassic Park. Um Although there are two kids, there are two kids, yeah. and and they they do learn a lesson at the end of it, which I could just <laughs> suggest would be just maybe just survival at that point. But there are little kids in that one. See, I'm I'm looking through this list, and and some of these are just complete hits that are just legendary. And if they could they could try to get some of that feeling out of these movies to put it in this show, that'd be huge. Remember, Kathleen Kennedy was like. A producer of basically all those movies I mentioned. So, yeah. I mean, she's got the experience to kind of steer them, hopefully, in the right direction and whatnot. Yeah. So, I'm I'm very much looking forward to this. Between this being announced at Celebration and, and knowing what the hell Tales of the Jedi, the animated Filoni series, is going to be. Man, oh man, there's, there's going to be some pretty big surprises, I feel like, coming out of this. But... The TV wasn't the only thing that was stressed in this article. There were some pretty big bombs dropped when it came to the movies. So, uh, Ben, do you want to start off with this one? Uh, I know there's a lot mentioned with the Ryan Johnson trilogy, which I know you and Milton are very inclined to talk about. Yeah, we could start off with that. Well, as we mentioned earlier, just to get things started, you know, with, with Kathleen saying it's on the back burner, that, that basically is it's it's not really news for us like we we've all expected to get that news eventually it's just a matter of when and we finally got it now and 
you know, now's the perfect time to like push his trilogy potentially just right off the cliff because you have all these other shows and movies and things getting developed basically distract us from the fact they're like ditching an entire trilogy of movies. Um, so, you know, you have that you have to me also, like I mentioned earlier, Ryan Johnson, like knives out was a really good movie. Uh, Looper's a good movie. Like he, he has good movies in his filmography. Like he's a really good director, but his take on the last Jedi was not great at all. But my thing with him is I feel like he could potentially have made a good star Wars movie if it was, say, say his trilogy was a thousand years in the future, like totally new, something something unique, because that's where he's thrived for the most part is like, you know, unique, uh, more original type ideas versus like, you know, say a big franchise. So it's uh, it's definitely interesting the way that they actually put this in there and finally let it be known like, hey, um, Ryan's movie's on the back burner. Also, I think that does fall into the category of, you know, just say like the legal side of things. Like he has a $400 million deal with Netflix. Do you really think Netflix is saying, hey, yeah, go ahead and go make a movie for another company instead of, uh, you know, working with us when we're paying you $400 million, man. So like, I think that's a big part of it too. Like he's, his contract, um, you know, the reports for his $400 million deal, it wasn't reported the, the length of it. I would probably say like, you know, it's probably a five to seven year type type contract, if not longer. So I don't think we'll see the trilogy at all. If we do, it'll probably be like six, seven years down the road, maybe. Uh, but but as Kathleen said, it's it's on the back burner. And also, I feel like just a, like one final point. They're just trying to put as much space between The Last Jedi and Ryan Johnson's next project as much as possible. Like, you know, they're putting out all these shows, all these things, um, potentially multiple seasons of Mando, uh, Boba Fett, Ahsoka, all these shows. And it's just going to mainly, I think, try to soften the blow whenever, if they do announce Ryan's coming back to do something, um, you know, there, there's that chance. And then, then the thing is, Kathleen does also state you know, we're trying to move past the terminology of trilogies. So the thing is, that makes me wonder if that was kind of like a not direct way of saying like Ryan Johnson's trilogy was canceled. Hmm. Yeah. So when, when he signs up with the deal with Netflix, that's basically an exclusive deal. Like he can't go anywhere and make something else at that point. Right? Unless Netflix, unless, unless Netflix approves. So basically like the way that works, you know, you had, like you said, you, we had a, you know, James Gunn did uh, Suicide Squad, and then he's back with Marvel. Like, you know, you can work with multiple studios, but it's but the way um, most of the contracts work, from my knowledge, um, when it comes to like directors and uh, people behind the camera, are like basically Ryan Johnson would have to go to whoever his boss would be at Netflix and say, "Hey, um, Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm want me to do this trilogy of movies. Can I do it? Yes or no?" And if they say no. He's out of luck. Like, you yeah, know, they, they, they're not going to say yes to that because it's not only one movie, but it's like that's like 10 years of your life right there. Yeah. And, and know, why, each and movie why, is two why, years and then it could be three years to produce with the writing yeah. of it beforehand. If you're writing it, too, that's like yeah. you're 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 doing a good seven to 10 years right there. And, and what you know, 
it, it all comes back to why would we pay you 400 million to go work for the next seven years or longer with another company like or, or be distracted like it, it just doesn't make any business sense in my yeah, opinion i just i don't i think they learned their lesson lucasfilm it's like all right maybe we should do contracts like when you when you when they announced he's doing a trilogy before last year I came out, it's like, I would assume like they had some agreement where it's like, you got to do this soon or something, but I guess they're more lenient. I don't know the business side of these things, but it's, it's interesting how, how he could have announced the project first. And then another company comes in and like takes, takes it away. I, I don't know how that works, but Hey, that's Hollywood. I'll never understand. That's not yeah. my industry. I'll just keep it brief. Like, I, I don't care about this trilogy. I, I've said it from day one. The Last Jedi is the worst Star Wars movie I've ever seen in my life. I, I'm just got, just got yeah. to keep it real. But, like, and I like Ryan Johnson. Knives Out was fire. That was oh, a good what? movie. I haven't seen you know, it. I, I like, I like Knives Out. Oh, it's Out. great. It's really, it's oh, really it's good. Great. It definitely worked with Star Wars, don't touch it, Ryan. Stay away from it. Like, uh, I, think, I, I, don't, I don't need you. I think it'll be all right. Like Ben said, if you if he like goes into a different era and he's able to just create don't... everything. I think right. that'll I, be fine. You're, you're probably right. You're probably right. And I think what happened for me, because I remember the trailer coming out for last Jedi and I was, I mean, I was the, the way they cut that trailer. And that's probably, that's not his doing how they cut the trailer. No, but I know, I know Ryan Johnson's work. I'm thinking, Oh my God, like this guy's a really good storyteller. He's going to give us something fire. And I think my expectations, everyone's expectations were so high especially of luke i think i still can't get over how they disrespected luke you know and it's like wait a minute if you take an iconic character and make him trash and he can't fight nobody and then what are you going to do yeah. with actual jedis or whatever in the future like you're going to make them just like pissy and like not want to do nothing so I, I don't trust him as a star wars director i trust him as an original content director it's two completely different things so i don't care about this trilogy Kathleen, keep pushing it off because no one still wants to see that trash. Like, ah. so, yeah, I think like, it's I think it's gonna just keep getting pushed back and pushed back. Now, now that they mentioned this back burner thing, they're not gonna mention this trilogy probably for You know what else goes on the back burner? Yeah. Uh boiling water. Yep. Okay. And usually you don't even need to use it half the time. Or like, <laughs> you know, you gotta warm up some food when it's on the burner. No and no one wants to eat warm no nobody wants to eat warmed up food unless it's like, you know, you know, something that's on point, something that I, I love to eat all the time. I don't love to eat The Last Jedi. It's re unrewatchable for me. So why, why would I want to put his shit on the back burner? Sorry, I'm cursing. But like, it's just like, it's just so obnoxious how you, they announced that movie before or that trilogy before yeah. The Last Jedi came out. Uh huh. And then I remember them making an, uh, an announcement, like maybe a couple months after The Last Jedi saying, oh, that trilogy is going to be, you know, it's going to be on hold until he figures out his other projects. And then I remember people on Twitter asking him, what's up with your uh, your trilogy? Yeah. Oh, we're, 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 it's, it's still still a work in progress. I'm still writing it. No, you aren't. No. Well, hey, come see, on, man. I want to hear that. You're a liar. Well, see, the thing is with that, um, I think, yeah, I think they're going to just keep pushing it back, pushing back, you know, let it, let, they're just going to, as, as he wrote in his movie, they're going to let it die. Um, let the past die. Let that trilogy die. I think, I think that's, I think, I just don't see it happening. Like I, I, I could see it happening as I mentioned, but I really like, if I had to put a percentage on it, I think it's like an 80% chance it won't happen just because soon as you announce it's officially happening, say it's coming out December, 2027. Um, 
you you come out and announce that immediately leading up all the way to that movie through that movie's release doesn't matter what it is after the movie all it will be is last jedi talk and lucasfilm can't go through another pr firestorm like they like they did with that and then with him even specifically like you know i i've always i've always been real critical of him not even for the last jedi i mean obviously last jedi specifically but off the field him just smack talking fans it's like dude do not do that like me if i was like running a company or like at least ahead of the pr team i'd be like our employees do not need to be talking back to fans like it just doesn't make any business sense whatsoever and i just don't like that um like that's what makes me think i i could see it not happening just because as soon as you announce it it'll just get the fan base all riled up and you know the internet doesn't forget no yeah so uh ryan johnson's trilogy eta unknown uh another <laughs> switch up that has happened with the movies the other two movies that we know have been in the works we have rogue squadron and we have whatever taika watiti is working on well according to this article it is now switched now now rogue squadron seems to be coming out after taika watiti's movie we knew that there was lots of issues going on with Patty Jenkinson's directed Squadron movie because she was tied up again. Here we go again with these other projects tied up with Wonder Woman 3, which I don't even think was officially announced before they announced Rogue Squadron, which is again, I don't know how like these deals go through when things get put in stone and then they don't get put in stone and, and then they have the Cleopatra movie she's working on, but then she claimed that she's not doing the Cleopatra movie. And now she's focusing more on Rogue Squadron. Well, anyway, we have heard nothing about uh, Taika Waititi's movie that he's also writing, but he's co-writing with somebody that wrote, um, forget the other movie, but he has a co-writer on, on this Star Wars movie. So, yeah, there you go. That that, that Rogue Squadron is getting pushed back. Um, I would like to hear more about Rogue Squadron at Celebration, but I think it's, again, one of those situations where if they don't mention it at Celebration, I would say it's really, really far off from coming out. Sounds sounds like typical Lucasfilm. Like, I mean, they they make plans before they're ready to actually solidify them. It's like, come on, you know. And then these directors are dropping in and out. I again, I I see a lot of good that they're doing, but same old story, you know. It, it's it's whatever, man. I, I don't. I, I'm not gonna believe it until they actually make an official announcement, yep. and we have concept art, and we got posters, and we got press going on. But and then definitely until until I see a tweet saying that production started, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with you, Milton. It's, it's just same story, different day. Like, it, it really is with, with Star Wars yeah. when it comes to news. Like, I was joking around with my friend last year before we had any Kenobi trailer, anything. I, I was joking around with him. I said, it wouldn't surprise me if this show gets canceled. But I, I kept saying to him, I will not believe it until we see a trailer. Just because yeah. it's like, I don't know what to believe with Star Wars. Like, heck, look at Book of Boba Fett. They took so long to release a trailer. And, and I kept joking around to my buddy. I was like, man, are we even going to get this show or is it going to get pushed? Yeah. Like, you know, you know, because... you know, this reminds me of Ben. Do you remember whenever I think it was one of the Comic Cons DC panel, they were they announced like this whole slate of movies, uh, Green Lantern Corps, all this stuff. 2023. Oh, DC. Yeah, DC fandom. No, 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 no. This is at a this is at a Comic Con. This was like. 
This was whenever mm. Batman v Superman was coming out. Oh, oh so okay. 20, 2017. Yeah. So yep. like they, they they announced a slate of movies. They had all those directors pop out <gasps> on the uh pan- remember that? Yep, I remember that yeah. now. So like yep. all, so Chris at one at one Comic-Con they announced this is whenever they announced the Batman by uh your boy um oh. Affleck. And yep. all these directors came out to do like always uh Tozo's wow. on the Flash, blah 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 blah. And then obviously Disney just did this last year at whatever event it was where they announced the Rangers of the or Rangers of the Republic. Oh yeah, yeah. all this other stuff. And it's like, wait a minute, because Kathleen had that. She announced the whole Rogue Squadron thing when Kathleen mm-hmm. when uh, what's her name was on skates. Remember she talked about like her dad. Yeah, Ty Jenkins was on skates. It's, it's like it's like There's you went through one. all that announcement. Yeah. To then say, oh, she's is being pushed, or she might not work on it. Like, what? What was all that for then? Yeah, I don't. Like, it's, just, I, I it's weird to me. Yeah, I personally. <laughs> I don't. I think this movie is heading right to the back burner. It's it, they're going scoot over Ryan Johnson trilogy. We're getting on the back burner with you because I don't. I don't think it's going to happen personally because why? Like, you know, to me it's it falls on. We talked about it before, like months and months ago. You know, when Star Wars. I mean, heck, John Watts. John Watts literally just said he wanted to basically get out of Marvel for a little bit so he could work on Star Wars. Like, Patty Jenkins. It's like. You know, if if Star Wars is important, like, why are you prioritizing other projects? Like, you know, we can't pick and choose what, you know, obviously, like, studios are throwing her millions of dollars and stuff. But still, it's like, this is Star Wars. And it just, uh, it really makes me think this this is probably not going to happen. And if it does, you know, if you guys think about it. So we're not getting a movie next December. We're not getting a movie in 2024, in December 24, because that's Avatar month. And they're not going to move that. So the next Star Wars movie we'll probably get is is December twenty five. Mm, we'll see. Yeah, which is horrible. Like, like to me, Star Wars is a movie going experience. Like, I love it on 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 our shows every week, etc. Like, Kenobi is going to be great, I'm sure. But don't get me wrong. If you give me a button to press to either choose a Kenobi show or a movie, I'd pick a movie ten out of ten times. Unless it's the Last Jedi. Yeah, but, but I'm saying if it was really good, if it was really yeah, good, I I pick a movie, I pick a Star Wars movie over a show any day of the week. Yeah, but I, that's I, just me. I I tend to I tend to agree with that sentiment, Ben. <laughs> so that was really it, and when I say that was it, I, we, exactly, we almost did like two hours of the show just on that. Um, but yeah, check out that that Vanity Fair article. There's so much to glean from that article. But I'm happy that, you know, we got the reporting from Anthony Bresnikin that, that broke it all down, that, that put it all to paper and uploaded it because that was a lot of the stuff the fans have been kind of like, what's going on with Lucasfilm? Like, it's very quiet, very, very quiet. Um, now the, the question begs is, the question I beg to ask is like, well, they put all this out there. What the heck could they be showing us a celebration? Maybe they're holding a couple other cards closer to our chest. Maybe... Maybe Donald Glover will walk out on stage with Billy D. Williams and be like, "We're back, 2024, Gosh. or something." I hope so. That I, I hope. Cool. And well, see, that's another thing too. Like, just give us something to be surprised about. I said it so many times on this show. Like, I just want Star Wars to surprise us with something. Like, it, it never feels like we're surprised anymore, um, because anytime they announce something, you know, like you said, Milton. 
We can't believe it. We can't believe anything they say on announcements. It's just like, okay, you know, we'll get all hyped about celebration. Like, say they announce all these new projects, and I'd be willing to bet you half of them don't even make it to. to, We just had it recently. Here, here's the thing, though. I think they've already understood that themselves internally, because from the rumors of this uh, grammar radio show, I think it's supposed to head into production in a matter of weeks. June it's supposed to be. So, so can you imagine that we don't have even an actual official announcement of this show? They have the potential to bring the cast members on that stage and announce the show then and there. Be like, hey, by the way, we have all these young, you know, these young actors here. We're here to announce uh, Skywalker Academy set after the events of Return of the Jedi interweaves into the Mandalorian storyline. And just drops the mic and be like, oh, well, we got to get back to the, to the location and continue our shoot. Like, maybe they really are doing that. If it gets to the point, like Milton says, like, we don't know if a thing is actually done until it's actually being filmed in production. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so I mean, hey, hey, who knows? Maybe they, they come out and what if they show us, like, a first? Um, because, you know, you can do tests. You know, you can do, uh, like, like when, uh, when uh, people are getting casted and stuff, they'll run, like, test footage and stuff. Like, what if they give us, like, a little... 10 second thing of like Luke standing there with the younglings or something like boom like that that'd get people riled up like just just surprise us with stuff like that is 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 all we want as Star Wars fans like because I feel like with Star Wars fans on on the internet especially like everyone's always so pessimistic because of like so many of the things Star Wars has pulled over these past like basically six seven years it's just like give us stuff to have hope in like and I feel like with like say a Luke and his youngling show, that would be a nice, I think, change of pace for the Star Wars fandom because then it would maybe check off some of the boxes for like us fans of Luke and be like, okay, now we're actually getting Luke content. You know, now we're getting more like potential like tie-ins to like say canon and the Legends material. Like, I feel like there's a lot of potential for that if they um, go in that direction. Uh, yeah, so I, I just think it's I think it's heading in a good direction, but they still got some work to do. They still got some work, that is for sure. So moving on, we have two more stories to talk about this week. Real quickly, we have our first official offerings from the now partnered Dark Horse Comics with Lucasfilm. You know, they are partnered for literally years and years, and then Marvel got the license back, and now IDW lost the license. They're still with Marvel, but now they're also with Dark Horse. And we have something called Star Wars Hyperspace Stories, which for those of you that have read the IDU Star Wars uh, Adventures comics, it's basically the analogous version of that for Dark Horse. You have an all-age comics that are basically anthologies. So the first one's going to be about um, Anakin, about Obi-Wan saving Padme, or at least helping Padme fight off some Separatists. So you got that story. Um, and you also have a hardcover release, which is uh, going to be called Tales from Ra- the Rancor Pit. That one's written by Kevin Scott. He has done the Tales from the Vader's Castle, which one of the Inquisitors that's going to be an Obi-Wan is from. So that's always a fun time. That one usually comes out around October. I think it's interesting that they're not going the single issue route with that one, but rather release it instantly in a hardcover graphic novel. So I definitely like that approach. And uh, it'll be cool to see that Dark Horse uh, you know, logo emblazoned on the upper left corner of those pages pretty soon so that that the um let's see hyperspace story starts out in august and then tales from the anchor pit uh comes out in october and finally this is the big one we could 
probably spend a good 30, 40 minutes on this one if we had that kind of time. But we have the Shadow of the Sith. They keep putting out these experts, and that's that that book that has Lando and, and Luke on that trail of Ochi and Bastoon and trying to find Exegol. Um, that one's taking place 10 years before the events of The Force Awakens. And USA Today put out a excerpt that actually features Rey as a six-year-old um, on the run from these hunters. And it's with her parents, and they are confirmed, their names are confirmed to be Dathan and Miramir. So this is neat because we're getting that kind of fill-in-the-blank the content that's been sorely um, left out of the Rise of Skywalker, Ben, you had watched it recently. It's like, oh, I want to know more about the son of, of Palpatine because we weren't even really sure what he was. Was he a clone? Was he a actual, you know, genetically born naturally son? What, what, what the heck's going on with that character, um, let alone with her mother? So already reading that expert, we find out that Mir Mir, she is uh, somebody that's really good with technology. She's a pilot. And Dathan seems like a very loving father. So right off the bat, just from those couple lines of dialogue, I'm like, all right, I'm in. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing this story. It seems like it's going to have a lot of essential information. Everything from Lando trying to find his daughter that was taken, him, uh, taken from him by the First Order to Luke literally like teleporting his body like he did in Last Jedi to Exegol, fighting off like the ring wraiths of Lord of the Rings, essentially. So Oh, man, every time they put out an excerpt that I've read, I usually don't read excerpts, but it seems like this story is definitely going to uh, be worth the wait, and it's coming out in, in July. So I'll throw this one to Milton. You know, you what know. What do you think about this? What do you, I, I know you're not the biggest fan of this movie either, but would you like to know more about Ray's parents? Oh, uh, look, if, if it, when it comes to the books... I'll read or listen to them. I most likely listen. So if it's on audiobook, like if you start listening or reading to this book, Kristen said, Milton, it's worth it. You know, take a listen. It's going to fill in a lot of the gaps. Great. I, I have The Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker on, on audiobook. Cool. So people might people might think that's bizarre of me because how I feel about the movies. But those books, if they were made the way the books are written, yeah. I'd probably be okay with how those films because it goes yeah. More in depth. E even like The Force Awakens, because like, you know, and I'll, and I'll get back to this particular book we're talking about, Chris, but The Force Awakens, there's an excerpt in that book where where Snoke talks about being present or being around whenever he yeah. witnessed Palpatine and uh -huh. Vader's defeat and talks about it was it was Vader's like uh, emotion to his son, which caused him his downfall and like Palpatine's arrogance and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, why don't we get that line in the movie? You know, cause then, cause then that, that definitely would have been a, a, a way for us to get off the scent of thinking Palpatine had nothing to do with Snoke. But then we come to find out Snoke was created by Palpatine. It's like, ugh, that's kind of a waste. But, back to this book if it's good well written and expands the characters i'll listen to it all day i'm definitely objective when it comes to the books because the books always seem to be better and i like how star wars does their audiobooks it's very much listening it's like listening to a movie oh yeah there's so much in there about like you said there's little tiny nuances to the characters and everything else yeah. man but yeah what about you ben yeah you know it's funny you uh bring up the snoke thing milton that just that just shows uh, side side little theory of mine. That just shows to me Snoke was going to be probably an original villain, and they shoehorned yeah. in Palpatine because 
that's that's implying that he was a totally separate character and not a clone. Exactly. So, you know, just to throw that out there for a food for thought. But um, in terms of this, I think it's really cool. I mean, these are what the books should be made for. Like, it's just hard the way Star Wars has operated lately. It feels like, and, you know, you obviously keep up with all the, the books and stuff a lot more than, say, even me and Milt do, Chris. Like, it, it feels like sometimes with some of the stories, like, there's, like, an elephant in the room of, like, it feels like they're almost, like, handcuffed where they can't go all out on the story. You know what I mean? Like, they can't go all out and just, like, go crazy because, you know, it's so... Um, handcuffed with like the movies and stuff so it's like it limits where they can tell the stories like can they tell a story around force awakens can they tell a story around last jedi or rise of skywalker or you know Mm -hmm. i i i would be willing to bet we're never going to get a book um post rise of skywalker until we get something like on screen first yeah and 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 it's and to me that's just because you know that's just like how they operate because they don't want to like make a book and then have to like go back and be like oh crap actually uh, we want to do this. So, like, it's cool that they're finally, like, adding a little more value to the sequel trilogy by, you know, giving Ray's parents names. Like, that's awesome. Like, they're talked about in Rise of Skywalker. They're talked about in, well, well throughout the sequel trilogy, really. So, it's cool they're getting their names addressed. And, and uh, and like, like the books, as you said, Milton, the books, I feel like, for the most part, for almost any franchise, really, a lot of times the book is usually better than the movie because it, you know, can just lay out a lot more details and uh, just overall make things better. Like, heck, you know, I just mentioned earlier, I watched Rise of Skywalker um, recently and that whole sequence of, like, like the Palpatine cloning sequence, it was so fast. Like, yeah. literally, you have, like, you have, like, some random guy in the background say, he literally says, like, one line, he's like, cloning, dark arts of the Sith. Blah, oh, blah, yeah. blah. And then they continue and it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. If you would have like even coughed or something, you would have not even heard that line. So like, you know, there's like books like this will add just more cohesiveness, I feel like, to the movies and make the movies a little bit better. Like, like say the old books used to for the uh, the prequel trilogy. Yeah, I mean, so much could be done with, you know, sith and, and dark secrets only the sith knew or whatever like that's yep. that that's just like okay they don't want to have time to tell that that story it's like what that seems like so weird they just he just says that line of dialogue it's like i get it like they they don't want to even try to explain that line of like like um exposition right a lot of times it's like these live action things you don't want to like sit there and monologue about something but hey just just show us a cool flashback they could have showed us a little like alternative view of like Return of the Jedi. Like you see the Emperor going down the shaft. You see like a little like force like bluish like orb spirit thing like like traveling and ending up in like Exegol. Mm. And you see like the body like already there or like rows of Palpatine bodies. And it goes like into one of his bodies. And you see it like and then they they could make it like Lord of the Rings or something. Like I, I'm imagining in my head like Return of the King's opening where it shows like um, Smeagol who turns into Gollum, but it shows like that transformation show that be like yeah throughout the, the throughout the last 30 years palpatine's clone body cannot actually handle his power and he had to go out and send out people t- 
to get his son to get the genetic material to, to get him to become like the ultimate Sith that to hold the spirits of the Sith or they could have done it more elegantly, but they just didn't want to. <laughs> so there, there you have it. I'll be reading that thing day one. Uh, that comes out at the end of June. So we don't have much longer to wait for that one. But man, oh man, that's going to wrap it up for us here. I mean, we got a big event coming up. Uh, if you guys are listening to this on podcast form, it will be the week of celebration. If you're watching us, just a couple short days, uh, Thursday through Sunday at Anaheim's Convention Center. A whole bunch of fans and celebrities and everything else are going to descend on that place for the Ultimate Star Wars Party. But a lot of really good information is going to be coming out of that. Thursday, I think we're going to get a lot of bombs dropped. That's going to be the Lucasfilm Showcase live action panels. That'll be a lot of information coming out of that. Um, Friday, there's going to be some more book panels. But you're going to want to stay tuned on Saturday. That's going to be when the Mandalorian panel is. So we'll probably get more information about that. We're also going to get the Tales of the Jedi panel that day as well. And then Sunday, we're going to get a lot of information about the Bad Batch. And, you know, maybe they'll have something about the closing ceremonies. Sometimes they reveal something. I know one year they had, like, casting announcements of Elden Ehrenreich. Although that was heavily rumored, so it wasn't a huge surprise. But basically every day from Thursday to Saturday or Thursday to Sunday... You guys can um, make sure to keep your eyes peeled on StarWars.com. They'll be live streaming the whole thing, or at least most of it. Um, sometimes they tend to block out certain things that they don't want people to see at home because they don't want to like have the footage like replicated online and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I know, I know, Ben, you'll be watching. I'm sure Milton, you'll probably be um, tuning in when you can to check it out. So um, just, just a. Uh, a little update for everybody out there because you'll be able to watch it from home. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to Star Wars Celebration. Again, I normally tend to watch the live streams. Um, I probably won't watch most of Thursday because I'll be working during the day, but um, I'll definitely watch Friday and Saturday and Sunday because I'm off on Friday, which is nice. Um, so it's going to be cool to see the panels. And I usually like when they do the interviews and when they make the announcements. I'm just hoping that, what, it's been two years, three years? Three since years, the last yep. since the last celebration, hopefully they, they come out with something banging. You know, just g- give us something because we we've been craving a celebration for a while now. So, yeah, yeah. we, we oh, we've yeah. been saying it's been very much a lacking year as far as news, and I think that's just because we're like, you know, what, we're gonna just let it all out at celebration. We have like the, you know, imagine like the the hose is like kinked, and you have all this pressure building up, and they're gonna undo the kink, and it, it's just gonna be a whole bunch of you know water flowing through this hose of star wars information and it's gonna be glorious at least that's what i would hope it is probably a terrible uh, analogy uh, but you know i tried <laughs> yeah I, I i i we we should we should be getting um plenty of news we'll obviously get i think since since they released this article well i mean it's you know it's not on starwars.com but the funny thing is with this article if you actually um for anybody listening to if you if you read the article and like look at some of the pictures, this article was probably written about a month or maybe even six weeks ago. Like if you look at some of the pictures that Ewan compared from then to now, like you know his beard's like pretty much shaved. Like you know he's it's it's definitely was an older article, so it just makes you wonder. Or you know, um, basically Star Wars probably had to approve basically everything in this article. You know, it's their write up, so it just makes you think. We will for sure get 
probably everything that were in the contents of this article and maybe maybe more you know on top of that so i i'm interested to see i'm gonna um after we're done with this stream i'm you know we we definitely need to look at the schedule again for celebration to kind of slot in like where would they maybe announce grammar rodeo at like you know that's oh, the, be interesting the live thing. action that'll be the live oh, the showcase panel that's a whole hour and a half all right Oh, okay, okay. I didn't know the length of it. Okay, yeah. So then they'll for sure do it then. And, you know, that'll be a great way to kick off Celebration, you know? Announce that. Be like, hey, guys, we're filming, blah, blah, blah. Boom. This is what it's about. Um, and, you know, there we go. Like, I think I think, I think, think it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I really do. I, I'm, I'm super excited for it. You know, like we said, it's been a few years. And I think the fans are ready for it, honestly. Like, it's, it, fans want star wars stuff like star wars is popular like it's it, it is the thing yeah yeah for sure so for those of you out there i know i know some of our listeners i know some of our viewers are going to be out there uh you guys know who you are uh for those of you that are going to be there hey i'll be walking around to see me say hi i got some cool merch i can send your way i'll have some pins i'll have some stickers to give away um every day i'm going to be busy and that includes even after the convention uh, Thursday, there's a really fun party um, being held by my buddies. Uh, funnily enough, at an IHOP, they have an inside joke. They're having a party at IHOP on that Thursday, and then that same Thursday, the the 501st uh, Legion is holding their end or not annual, but every celebration they have a 501st bash, which a lot of the proceeds go towards uh, children's foundations and things of the like for charity. So that's always fun. They have different live a live acts going on, and there's still tickets on sale for that, I believe. A lot of fun. The next day, Friday, I'll be at Star Wars Night, going to Disneyland for the first time, so I'm very much looking forward to that. And then I'll be going to, on Saturday, I'll be going to this event called uh, Mosh Isley, which is basically like a <laughs> an emo night Star Wars style. Uh, I got an email, which was very nice. entertaining. Where they said, make sure you bring a lightsaber because we're going to have the wall of death with lightsabers, Sith versus Jedi. So I can't <laughs> freaking wait for that. I'm going to try to get as much footage as I can throughout the weekend because there's going to be a lot going on. So I can't I can't commit. I can't confirm what my channel is going to have covering this, but I'm going to try to do the much I can as much as I can. But also, I know that I don't want to be like caught up in content creation 100 percent of the time. So. You know, I have my coverage from Chicago. I have like an entire vlog and a whole bunch of stuff. So, you know, go ahead and check that out. That might pump you up for things coming up later in the week because um, it's going to be a lot, lot to look forward to. But what are you guys going to be up to this week? Me personally, um, not really nothing exciting this week. Just just hanging out with some friends and family honestly, this week. Just been a long week as, as normal, but just relaxing, decompressing have a big week coming up, but like I said, I'm just going to be hanging out, enjoying my time with friends and family. There you go. Where can they find you? Where can the good people of the internet find you, Milton? They can find me on Twitter at MiltonWeber7 or follow follow me on Instagram at Milton7Weber. There you go. And Ben, yeah. where can the people find you and what are you going to be talking about? Are you going to be talking about more Halo? Oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> um, you know, as, as I always joke around, you know, I have to have to give a Halo update every week. Halo um, watched the season finale last night. It was incredible. Anybody that even is an inkling of a Halo fan 
make sure you go and watch it on Paramount Plus. Like, give it a chance. Don't don't pay attention to the video games. Like, treat this as a totally new story, and I think you'll have a good time with it. Like, to me, it was a nine out of ten type season. I really, really enjoyed it, and I can't wait for the next uh, season of it. I, I think it's a lot of fun. And hey, Pablo Schreiber liked my tweet, so that was that was that was a pretty cool part of my week too. Um, Dude, I was just pardon? gonna say. You have a resemblance to Pablo Schreiber, a.k.a. you you almost look like the Master Chief a little bit. Hey, there we go. <laughs> I had to put that out there. It's like, hey, <laughs> if you ever have to stand in as a body double, they got you over there in Ohio they could grab. Hey, I'm, I'm, about, I'm almost his height, so. I know, that's the um, crazy. I was thinking about that. He's like six foot three or four or something like that as well. Yeah, I, I saw you saying he was like six, six, three, six, four, so, and I'm, I'm six, three right on the dot, so. Right there, there we go. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll gladly be his, uh, his body double. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'll be talking Halo on Twitter, and then uh, you can find me on Instagram. Well, Instagram and Twitter both at Real Ben Maynard, and on Instagram, I'm just posting my workouts um, pretty much every day. I'm just documenting me losing weight. I'm down about a pound and a half this week, so you know things are going well, and it's just the. Uh, the process, the multi-month process it's going to take till October, November, potentially to get like totally shredded and lean again. And I'm just documenting that uh, journey. So anybody who wants to join in and check it out, feel free to find me on Instagram at real Ben Maynard. There you go. And as far as me on this YouTube channel, I put out my official review for um, Brotherhood. I, every time I talk about this book, I want to say Kenobi. Um, which I also read that book and love that old legends book. But yes, Excellent. my review for Brotherhood is up on the channel right now, as well as those comics that I talked about off the top. And this is going to do it for us for a while, because unfortunately, I don't have the means to do any kind of podcasting live um, from the place. So you can tune in literally two weeks from today, which will be June 3rd. We will be back. And guys, I don't even know how we're going to do that show, because it's not just one episode of Obi-Wan. It's three episodes of Obi-Wan on top of all this news. Like, what is happening? We're, we're going to have to, like, come back to, like, some of those episodes or, or something and talk about them in greater detail at one point because I have a hard enough time talking about a single episode and then everything else is going to be like, I don't know what's going on. So tune in two weeks from today. We'll figure it out somehow. But otherwise, that's going to do it for us here for Outer Rim Transmission. This was episode 59 for Milton, for Ben, for I, Chris, a.k.a. Star Raptor, thank you for watching. May the Force be with you and transmission.